Welcome back, guys, as we keep the gravy train rolling down towards the end of our <laughs> oh, Game of yeah. Thrones arc. Bro, gravy. This, dude, I'm telling you what, man. This is this has been, what, almost seven months in the making at this point with the Game of Thrones, and we're kind of we're going into our, uh, our last destination here in, in a very short amount of time. Mm. So let's, let's get go. a malice yeah, to get us dude. kicked off, Some man. Malice in the chalice here. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> ooh, yeah, that'll... Ooh, I feel the burn, baby. Yeah, burn, Get baby, that burn. burn. <laughs> I'm a disco inferno. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, man. Uh, dude, I mean, I'm just excited always to continue on what we've got going here. I mean, as you guys can see, uh, we kind of have everything set up the same that we've had the past couple weeks because really today is more of a continuation of what we did last week. Yeah. You know, I'm you know, to, to give you a quick reminder... Last week we jumped into the actor changes of you know all fourteen of them and who they were and when they took place. Uh, Chase kind of jumped into the history, got us all the way through to I believe we left off with a dance with dragons, right? The conclusion of a dance with dragons. Yeah, the big when civil Rains war. Died, right? Yep. Cool. Mm -hmm. And I know today we're we're gonna kind of pick up right where you left off there and and uh, move forward into the history. Then you got some stuff from A Night in Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. And, and then Josh is going to tackle some really cool stuff like extinct houses that we haven't talked about. So what's cool about this episode is it, we're giving you everything. Uh, you know, we haven't left anything off the table, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, you're getting everything about how everything developed. And I'm actually really excited for today because we get to talk about a lot of key characters in Game of Thrones um, that really set game of thrones up for season one like uh jamie lannister right. my boy uh we are about to find out today at some point what caused him to become a kingslayer yeah and then i know because uh, robert robert's rebellion is something that you're going to touch on too and mm -hmm. that really is what kind of brought the song of ice and fire to be like right like like a song of ice and mm -hmm. fire is set 15 years after robert's rebellion so all the characters we see they came to prominence because of robert's rebellion so we're gonna see a lot of that too so excuse me i'm really excited about where we're getting started from there i will want i did want to go in and talk a little bit about the numbers that we've mm -hmm. hit over the the past week there because we've got some really exciting news guys um, I know before when we share some numbers, it's mainly just between like where we rank in the United States and globally. But you know we've actually trended on some really big numbers for specific countries too, and and not just in in the fiction category. Uh, we're talking all podcasts as well. So I'm gonna read you off, guys, a couple of the great numbers that we hit as of last week. Uh, we hit number forty uh, for podcasts in the United States in the fiction category. Uh, number 40 overall pretty impressive and you know again we always have to say thanks because we've only been doing this for seven months you know we started yeah. in january we're in july right now you know so it's really exciting that uh, uh we've been able to have a decent level of success pretty quickly it's cool too because you know <clears throat> people that have been doing this for a long time that we kind of grew up watching their shows it's weird to it finally has kind of hit us like we're on that same we're starting to be compared with those people which is really cool yeah and then to talk about just the arts category so the one I, I just mentioned number 40 is for podcasts in the fiction category specifically now for podcasts in the arts category in the United States 
we hit number 184. And guys, you know how broad the arts category is. That's It's a huge, huge genre. You know, there's thousands and thousands of podcasts on there. So the fact that we were able to get as high as 184, really impressive. Globally, in the fiction category, you know, in the entire world, we hit number 52. Uh, really badass. Uh, and this is something that gets updated weekly. So, you know, there's going to times where we're higher and we're lower because I know we've talked about some of these numbers before. We don't just stay there. This all depends on how we continuously perform week in and week out. And to that point as well, uh, podcasts in the arts category globally, so all of the, the podcasts that fall underneath the arts category in the world, we rank 252. It's really impressive. Um, now, over in uh, Spain, we actually ranked uh, number 23. So we were in the top 25 in one of these countries. So uh, just a little update on some of the numbers and where we're trending and how, uh, how we're excited to continue to do this because when we see that we're, we're gaining the traction like that, it makes it easier. Like the long nights, the mm-hmm. times that we you know, get frustrated with certain things, and you know, just it makes it all worth it. Yeah, and I mean, that's what... You know, uh, the side y'all don't get to see is, you know, the research that goes into all this. Or trust me, I mean, there's been nights where me and Josh have, ju- Josh and I have just been exhausted. Um, but it's 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 easy to keep going because we love what we do because we love bringing you this stuff. And I remember when we were talking before we started Game of Thrones, when we started this podcast back in January. We had a goal, and the numbers has already been passed four times our four times goal over. right now. 100%. Yeah, and, and to your point, too, the stuff that people don't get to see on the outside, you guys get to see it, the finished product and how good it sounds with everything put together, but you talk about the hours of research. You talk about the video, the audio editing. You talk about the marketing. You talk about you know the artwork. You talk about everything, the setup, the breakdown, You know the times where we need to you know regroup and, and gather ourselves. Like Literally, this is... This is just as hard as a regular day job. Like this is just it really a, it's, is. It's just as extensive. Honestly, it probably takes us more hours if you really break it down like that than it would for like a regular nine to five. And that's and, but that's okay because we actually love doing this. Like we love what we do, yeah. and it, it's funny too because so many people have the idea. Of like I'll be honest, like we kind of had when we first started. Like, yeah, true. You record for an hour and you're done for the day. Yeah. Like no, we had to start blocking off. Like this is our day here. Yeah. Like we make Sundays no other plans. Day. Um, like when it's on the schedule, like we have to block off this day because not even talking about like, say everything goes perfect and we have a long podcast. People aren't even realizing like the technology issues you can run into, <laughs> like just things like that, that can even hold you up. Um, or, you know, something might, <clears throat> you know, timing might not be completely perfect on the research you're pres- presenting. So yeah. then you have to go back to the drawing board and there's so much stuff, guys. You know, we could talk, there's people that do Game of Thrones and like that's all they do. Like there's so much stuff. Josh and I have to narrow this down just like as if you're almost like making a movie, like Avengers, right? When Kevin Feige was putting all this stuff together, he said for the ending of Endgame, that battle scene, he wanted to make that like two hours. You can't make a two hour battle scene. So we had to, you know, it's all that stuff where we had to get down to the nitty gritty and still give you what you want. But we love what we do because our point being is we wouldn't be here without you. Um, y'all are the ones that have put us in this st- spot and keep propelling us to where we are. And we love you 3000. Yeah, man, absolutely. 
Uh, I think it's really important to mention too when we talk about you know we like we've only really because with what we do in terms of breaking down research for the show that we've done so far. So what have we really tackled? We've tackled some fun stuff in the MCU and the Star Wars universe. We did Mandalorian. We did Rise of Skywalker. We've done The Witcher. Then we really kind of jumped into Game of Thrones, so our very first big arc. Now, what, what's crazy about Game of Thrones is, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not just a TV series. It's also a book series, too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that, you know, when we went through this, we really focused, majority of what we focused on was on screen, mm-hmm. right? So I, I know there's a lot of stuff like, you know, during the books, but man, if you imagine if we added everything in the books too, we'd be doing Game of Thrones till you know, uh, next yeah. year, man. So, but the, the, the great thing about it is we, we really enjoy what we've done so far. We're giving you stuff that you're not going to see on screen. And I think that we should kind of, kind of uh, bring it on in and uh, Let's do it. just break it down, man. Absolutely. So good stuff. You wanted to talk about today. We <laughs> left off at what was it the end of A Dance with Dragons when she was like drawn and quartered and her body parts were burned in front of her and yeah. she was screaming right like how messed up is that she got everything she, she was, deserved she was called what the half year queen or something like half that half year queen yeah. she ruled cool. her a half year uh, Rhaenyria uh, Targaryen and uh, I put it on the website so you can see pictures of her um, I even uh, put the pictures of the red and green sigil so you can see what that is. And you can even see the original gold yellow sigil. That Called was, sigils. Uh, sigils. Sigil. You know, yeah. I'm terrible with these. <laughs> I got the, you, bro. The language. Uh, <laughs> Around the world, don't speak the language. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> literally going around the world. The yeah. conquest, baby. But you can even see, uh, you know, the gold sigil there. And, uh, I sigil. Mean, we sigil, just, man. We just went over, just went over yeah. this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's cool when we update. I love when we've been getting notifications from people on Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, you know, even Twitter and all these places that they're watching. Not only where we just put it out on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio and these platforms, but they're also going to our actual website, which is cool. Which is because, to your point, what you're just saying, you actually put these um, mm-hmm. visual representations of what we've talked about. So for Rhaenyria, you actually you went ahead yeah. and posted something. So it's pretty like, cool, man. One thing that helped me a lot was like even going back to our other episodes where we were looking at Game of Thrones. You know, going back to the clips, like you were breaking down, like the bells, like on the mistakes in there, you can see it for yourself. So. As you all see, you know, Josh and I, we're not just pulling this out of thin air <laughs> trying to start some controversy. Yeah, yeah. We, we have our facts and we can point to them. So, yeah, man, I think, uh, I think cool. that's a perfect time to kind of pick up from the end of A Dance awesome. of Dragons and take it through the end of that. Let's and get then, a mouse in the chalice, baby. It's one big one, baby. <laughs> yeah. Bam. Bam. So after we left off, so what's cool today, we're really going to talk about three major points. So... We have after the dance, and uh, the three biggest things after the dance that wind up happening is, so you have the Blackfire Rebellion, and the Blackfire Rebellion winds up kind of, it merges into what's called the War of Nine Pity Kings. A lot of people don't realize that. They think they're two separate things. War of Nine Pity Kings is what merged out of the Blackfire Rebellion because it was so bad. It started out as just a little kind of rebellion, and then grew and grew to like the Targaryens were like this could be a problem. Then what we're going to talk about is you're going to have Ares. 
the Mad King, who is Danny's dad, mm-hmm. which he did some messed up shit. <laughs> I think we all know just from the show, but you're going to really hear in detail today the problems he had, and that's going to lead into the Roberts Rebellion, which is our big piece today, and yeah. it's going to pull everything together where everything we've talked about in these seasons is going to finally all make sense. Got it. Um, cool. So, yeah, we'll go ahead take, and get started. Take it away, my man. So, after the dance, so... What happened was you had a little bit of peace as Aegon II took over. Because remember, he cut off Rhaenyra's arms, legs, burned her. She's done. Yeah. Uh, she had a few remaining loyalists left. Um, a loyalist of hers was Boros Baratheon. So Boros Baratheon was an ancestor of the Baratheon house, mm-hmm. of Robert Baratheon, Baratheon, who we know. Um being a loyalist of them, he still wanted to try to take back what was rightfully Rhaenyra's. So he had the help of the Tully House, and they gained an army of 6,000 men. And most of these, because they had almost no one left, because Aegon II had burned him to the ground, were actually even children, which is fucked up, because they still yeah. wanted the throne that bad. It's like you... You're beating a team 40 to nothing and they still won't die. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's really what it is. Um, so this is when you go into a small rebellion that occurred called a muddy mess. So the reason it's called a muddy mess was the weather was so bad on this little battalion and they still tried to take everything they had. They kept slipping into the dirt and Aegon's people took almost no casualties and just wiped them all out. Jeez. I mean, with dragons, it's pretty easy to do that. For sure. Do you, do you really have the numbers on the casualties by any chance? Or? Uh, so I have a... It's not too much known about this because okay. it wasn't such a big piece. Got it. Um, basically, what it says is, so, the biggest part of this battle was there was a guy called Lord Carlos Valerian, who was Aegon's nephew after this battle. Um, after they had wiped up pretty much all the Baratheon's men, <coughs> um, he was debating taking an alliance with the lawyer, loyalists still left over with Rhaenyra to try to help bring peace to the realm. Because people already hated Aegon so much, they wouldn't make peace with just him. So he was trying to find a way to make peace with them. What happened was he pleaded with Aegon II to not execute them. So Aegon refused, threatened to torture Corlys, Valyrian, and actually said, I will cut your own ear off and send it to the Loyalists if you threaten me with treason again. What happened was Lord Corlys wound up uh, basically becoming silent over this and apologized to him and then got into this wagon, like this wagon thing. And there was rumors whether or not he was actually trying to start something with the Loyalists and almost side with them. That was Loyalist of Rhaenyra, Mm -hmm. not Aegon II, just to be clear on that. Aegon II got in the wagon with Lord Corlys. By the time they got to the destination, they opened the wagon. Aegon II had been poisoned, butchered, into over a hundred pieces and it is still described as a wine glass was in his hand and blood poured off the wood wagon floor. 
Jeez. So now you have a problem. <laughs> right. Now, so do we know who was responsible for Aegon II's... So it mm -hmm. says what was discovered was Aegon II was betrayed by Lord Corlys and his own men when wow. he was uh, transferred there. So, so now we've got an issue because who's the rightful king? Yeah, exactly. Because so, Rhaenyra is dead and Aegon II's dead, so what happens from here? So here's what happened. Um, and I was going to hit just a couple uh, highlights of the dance real quick that mm -hmm. are really important. But so Aegon III came to the throne in 131 AC at 11 years old. So he actually had a descendant that okay, a lot of people a didn't okay. know about. Got it. But he was only 11. Got it. So most people didn't even know about this guy. Gotcha. Just a couple honorable mentions of Dance with Dragons. Remember we talked about the Battle of God's Eye? Yep. Like that was a big one. That was I, what was Damon and Aemon? Uh, Aemon. Aemon yeah. and uh, Darren. Uh, was it Darren or Aemon? Uh, Darren. Darren we're going to talk about today. He's okay. actually my favorite king. But it was Damon Targaryen. Damon and Aemon. Okay. That was married to Rhaenyria. Got it. Got and it. that was the battle that said one of the biggest one in history where they were actually locked with their talons. Right. And Damon jumped on top of Aemon and stabbed him. That's when you brought the saddle thing. Like, right. Where the heck did the saddles go with the dragons? Yeah. yeah. So that was just an honorable mention there. Um, one I really did like, though, out of all these battles, which we're not going to mention all of them, but Butcher's Ball is one that's not talked about a lot. And that's because one guy you're probably going to hear about in House of Dragon, if they do it, is Kristen Cole. So he was actually Aegon's hand. He was invited to a uh, ball that they were talking about, you know, these loyalists and of Rhaenyria, and then you had the Greens and the Blacks. So you had Aegon's loyalist and Rhaenyria's loyalist. Throughout the war, they still tried to make peace, even though they might not have agreed with each other the whole time. Well, they invited Kristen Cole to a ball to make peace, and it was just like the Red Wedding, and what happened was they surrounded just him, and it was described as he almost killed all six of the men that surrounded him, and they stabbed him to death in the middle of the ballroom Jeez. as they had the dance. And it's to this day still known as uh, the Butcher's Ball. Damn, that's Which, pretty cool. That would be pretty badass to see on screen, though. And that was during the dance. That was during the dance. Okay. So those were just, like, we didn't really go over those just because it's, it's not that important, but it, it's a cool honorable mention because it'd be cool to see on screen. Do you have all the battles listed? Yeah. So what I think you should do instead of going into detail, I'm just at least list off the battles in chronological yeah, order. To I can do do that. Yeah. So first you had the Battle of Burning Mill. Okay. Um, then you had so that what that was was that was Damon. He basically just held his first uh, battle after siding with Rhaenyra. Okay. Uh, the Battle of Gullet uh, was when they. Uh, Aegon took allies with the Valyrians, so Carly's Valyrian, who is a descendant that was still left of the Valyrian house. And they actually wound up um, with both tragedies, but still wound up beating Daemon. Mm -hmm. um, then you had the Battle of Honeywine, uh, whence Prince Darren, that we'll talk about today, um, he was serving as a host for the Hightower family, but really kind of made himself known as a warrior. Um, and then you had the Battle of 130 AC, which was a battle at Red Fork that took place. Uh, and then you had the Battle of Lakeshore, which was actually still referred to as one of the bloodiest battles in history. It just wasn't as big as one of the biggest of God's eye. But what's cool about this 
is this was driven by a betrayal from the Lannisters, which we've seen that before. classic. Yeah. Um, and then you had Butcher's Ball that I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had the Battle of God's Eye. And then the second Battle of Tumbleton, which was when the first and second Battle of Tumbleton, which remember that was when those dragons of Ethereum War, uh, they wound up betraying Rhaenyria with their host because the same people on Rhaenyria's team realized what they were doing was wrong. And there's still actually statues are said to be in the citadel of them today as tourist attractions. And they burned down their own team. Uh, and then you had a battle of a muddy mess. So the dragons that were in the dance were Sunfire, which was Aegon's, Vagar, who was Aemon's, Dreamfire, Helena, which remember Helena was married to the series of the first, who yep. is the old man. Um, you had Princess Jahiria. She had a dragon called Morgul. She was shipped off to Oldstone, remember, and her brother Maelor didn't make it there. Mm-hmm. Um, to Serion, who was just a l- young dragon that was killed by the shepherd, remember, in that big dragon pit dome? That was in season seven. And then you had uh, Shrikos, which was actually Prince Jahiri's. Uh, he tried, he, Jahiri's was killed by blood and cheese. Right. Um, Syrax, which was Rhaenyria's on Rhaenyria's side. Carxus, which was Daemon's. Viramax, which was Prince Jahiri's. Uh, he was killed in the Battle of Gullet. He's not talked about much. Arax, uh, which was killed at a battle called Shipbreaker's Bay. Uh, we talked about Tyraxis. Um, Stormcloud, which was Prince Aegon's younger brother. Melees, which Rainey's rode, which was the younger sister of Rhaenyria. Uh, Balia rode a moon dancer. Remember, she made that final stand against Aegon II uh, when Sunfire broke all his legs, and they almost died there. Uh, Silverwing was ridden by Ulf the White in the Battle of Trembleton, so he was one of the ones that rebelled with him. Sea Smoke, which was originally ridden by Adam Valyria. Um, and then Sheep Stealer, which was just one of the wild ones they found. Vithyramor that rebelled at the Battle of Templeton, ridden by Sir Hugh Hammer. Grey Ghost, which was just found as wild. Cannibal that was found as wild. And then Morning, who was actually uh, the only one that ever survived, but she was actually given to uh, Rhaenyria's younger sister, and she was just too young at the time. to She was a baby at so the time. So, my question, Balerion wasn't involved in the Dance with Dragons, then. No, because okay. Balerion, by that <clears throat> point already, uh, which we talked about a little bit last episode, he had already basically gone to uh, the Slaver's Pit, and that's when he got involved with the Valyrians, which Septon Barth called a sorcery. Okay. And he was already around... Uh, they say Balerion died at almost two to three hundred years old. So Balerion was, he was in his prime during Aegon's conquest. Right. During the whole thing. Aegon's so, been gone for a long time. Got it. This is 131 years after Aegon. Right. So he's already been dead by this point. So who was, which one did Maester Aemon ride as, as the dragon there? Uh, Maester Aemon rode Vagar. Okay. Who was a green dragon. Okay. He was actually <clears throat> described as being just a little bit smaller than Balerion, but he was very fast. Cool. So, which is really, I think that would be really cool to see if you had like a, which I put the photo on the website in the uh, like actual book, Fire and Blood. Like he has the long hair mm-hmm. with the silver hair. He looks like a badass. That's kind of cool. Cause like, you know, when we see him in the show, 
all he is is like an, a, an old man who's very wise and he, you know he's, he's he's the maester of the night's watch you know sometimes you know because like you kind of you're kind of guilty of it too you always mm-hmm. think of barris and selmy as this old man but you have to yeah. realize that <laughs> in his prime he was probably the most badass swordsman in all the land right so the fact that like aemon targaryen was this amazing warrior who actually like went head to head with daemon targaryen uh and they had like that really really iconic fight in the air where the dragons were interlocked and flew down towards the god god's eye which was mm-hmm. a big lake right yeah so i mean you just don't think about maester aemon being a badass no you don't at all you just think of him being like the like the wise hermit that just yeah, has all the exactly. answers to everything you know what i mean like it would be really cool to see who plays him and how it changes your perspective mm-hmm for in house of dragon that'd be awesome man. that would be really cool okay um, so now we're in now we're into so now both uh Rhaenyria and aegon the second are dead and now we're going into the right. next reign okay got yeah it. the next one so aegon the third took over in 131 ac um what's nothing much really happened here basically what happened was he tried to resalvage things after things were so bad with aegon the second because of the dance um, what did happen was there were still so many rebellious people. There was a six cruel year winter. And what's relatable to now is the winter that was caused was really because they never had any support from the Starks. Okay. Uh, which is going to lead into something really big later. But what happened was um, so Balia and Reyna, after the dance, which Balia was young at the time, and, you know, the Septon spared her. Um, Lord Corliss still pleaded to actually put them in office, which now you have a big problem, because people that rebelled should not be in office. Um, but proclaiming previous That's honors, strange, because, the, you know, what happened during Robert's Rebellion, he became king. Mm-hmm. <coughs> right, so. yeah, so... Um, Par for the course. <laughs> there you go. Uh, dilly dilly. <laughs> yeah, get a dilly dilly. Cheer, brother. Uh-huh. But so, um, Lord Stark, uh, so men uh, wound up being executed, uh, which is called the Hour of the Wolf that occurred, which is a short term where they just, you know, they didn't support these people in office and uh, more rebellions from the Starks occurred. So they actually wound up executing a lot of the Starks. Who was the Lord Stark at that time? Um, So it just says the person that was Lord Stark resigned his hand. So this was way before Eddard. Well, right, because like there's what's his name, Torrin Stark is the one who knelt, right? Right. It never gave a name. Okay. For during Aegon the Third, so I don't know. All you really know is there's a huge rebellion of Starks. Um, Jahiria Targaryen, that remember she was put over at Old Stones that survived besides Maelor, came back to King's Landing. Uh, So when she came back to King's Landing at eight years old, how fucked up this is. She married Aegon the Third. I guess it's not that messed up because he was only eleven. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. yeah, but they married each other and kind of tried to start resalvaging that. Um, what happened was uh, during Aegon's reign, she couldn't handle all the rebellions uh, because their houses were so split because of the original loyalists, Rhaenyra and Aegon. She threw herself off a building and is still de- uh, off Mager's Holdfast and is still described that Aegon Third found her with spikes through her skull and stomach. <laughs> so pretty fucked so up. So she pulled it. She pulled a Tommen and just literally like, went off the window. It was just like that. Like couldn't handle the stress. Yeah. Couldn't be the first lady anymore. Just jumped Ended off. Ended it. Yeah. All right. 
Um, so that really put Aegon Third into a big depression and things started spiraling out of control for the kingdom. Um, he did wind up marrying again and he wound up making this guy Lord Peak his hand. Um, and what happened was uh, Lord Peak eventually broke him of that kind of depression, but he was kind of like almost Tywin trying to start pulling all the strings here. Um, order reestablished itself for just a little while with all the council members, but as Aegon III was depressed and broken, he married uh, Deirin, a Targaryen who was Prince of Dragonstone. She blessed him with two sons and three daughters. Um, Can we say princess? Because you confused princess, me. Princess, when... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, princess right, okay. of Dragonstone. Got there it, you got go. it. Yeah. Um, and he was actually even described as being very cold towards even citizens, regular civilians of King's Landing. Um, he became known as people hated him so much, but he didn't do anything cruelly wrong. He was known as Aegon the Unlucky. So when you hear Aegon the Unlucky, this is who it's referring to. By the end of his reign, he actually did find three dragon eggs and hatched him. So he was still called a dragon, which led to his name. He died at only 26 years old because of stress. <laughs> and um, the only positive impact he ever made was hatching dragons. Okay. Now, we're about to get into someone cool. This is my favorite king out of all the kings that ever lived. And you're about to see why. And it's one most people don't even know about. Okay. This is Darren the First. Okay. So Darren the First took over 156 years after Aegon the First was crowned. He was the son of Aegon the Third and took over at only age 14. Viserys, um, Viserys II wound up being his hand, and they were both really known for kind of their charm, but Darren I was really known as the first conqueror besides Aegon, so the second conqueror that ever came to be. Darren had taken over everything but Dorne by the age of 16, <laughs> and then... He could never hatch any dragons, never used one dragon. His hand, the series at the time, told him, how do you plan over to, to take over, how, quote unquote, how do you plan to take over Dorne? You have no dragons. He looked at Viserys the second, his hand, and said, I have a dragon, and he stands before you. <laughs> and this badass. Is so badass. Like, I would love to see who would play this guy. Um... He became the most successful conqueror besides Aegon in history. He divided his armies in the mountain of Dorne and put fleet ships around as a blockade around the entire Dornish country. So what happened was then he wound up making a fleet and conquering the Stormlands so they couldn't get to anyone's aid. He put... Lord Alan Valerian, uh, who was a member of his council, actually in charge of the islands near the Stormlands, and then they couldn't even get to the free cities. So you can't go east-west, you can't go to the Stormlands, you can't go around Dorne, and then you can't go to the mountains. So all you really have is Sunspear, basically, is all that's there. So what happened was they took Sunspear head-on. When they went to see Sunspear, they took it, but they held on to it for two years, and he kept trying to occupy it. 
as the occupying happened, multiple ambushings and kidnappings were happening with the Targaryen fleet. Uh, Darren kept taking trips over there. The first time, I love this quote, our arrows will block out the sun. It is it's great. <laughs> first time he was met with over 300 arrows, withstood it, got back on the ship, came back. Second time, he took 10,000 men against a rebellion army of Dorne and slayed the next rebellion army of Dorne. Over the next three years after that, um, they didn't stop rebelling, and Darren lost over 40,000 troops from rebellions out of Dorne. Jeez. Just trying to bring it peace and conquer it. So that, that's kind of why I feel like that the show didn't do give Dorne enough justice because Dorne is actually a very powerful country. So powerful. Like they're they're actually really like because I remember I remember they did say that they're the only ones that were not conquered by the dragons, but like outside of that one little sentence there, and outside of Oberyn and the Sand Snakes, we didn't really get much out of Dorne. I mean, it, it just goes to show like Oberyn like he was such a badass, but like he wasn't the only badass from Dorne either. Um, I mean, still to this day, they're the only ones that have never made peace with Seven Kingdoms. Um, so at this point, this is 160 AC. Um, he went to take on Dorne one final time. He went with four members of the Kingsguard. Stupid move, but went by himself and with four members of the Kingsguard. He went to make peace and give a speech there. He was surrounded by rebels with the four men of the king's guard it is said he slayed every rebel all the way into the final few which is what it says in the book he was described as being found with his throat cut and black fire still in his hand with every member of the king's guard still there a prince Amon, um which was another not yeah, maester yeah, Amon, right, another right. one um, that was on his council was with him. It was actually taken captive. King Darren, the first of his name, had become known as one of the greatest conquerors of all time. It was only a conqueror for four years. How old was he when he, when he died? 16? 18. 18. <clears throat> 18 years did all that. Like, that's wow. amazing. Yeah. Um, so then you have Baylor the first. I call him a bitch. <laughs> but he's also known as Baylor the Blessed. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> um, so what happened was because Dorne had all these rebellions, he went to go make peace with them after he became king and tried to get Prince Aemon out from being captive. Um, what happened was he went over there and begged in front of the entire city of Sunspear for Aemon to be released. Aemon was released naked out of a cage that was overhanging the city as an example. It is described that they put so many snakes in the cage, his whole body was filled, his skin couldn't even be shown. It was just mainly holes. Um, and so Eamon and Baylor walked out of the city and they agreed to let him leave. It is described that Baylor was so um, whipped and tortured going out of the city, walking out naked holding Eamon, that he collapsed in the mountains and Aemon had to finally get him over to the Stormlands just so he could live. Um, he wound up making an alliance with the High Scepter, so you finally had that P 
peace between the church kind of thing. I know you hate season five. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, it, he did a 40-day fast um, just in honor of Dorne to try to make peace with him. Became known as Baylor the Blessed, but eventually wound up dying because he fasted himself so much. That's so funny because remember when uh, Joffrey died and King Tommen was looking over Joffrey's body and Tywin thought it was time to tell him about like how what it makes to be a great king. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of the things that Tommen said was like, you know, must be like religious or something along those lines. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, Baylor the Blessed was and then he fasted for 40 days and he died. So, yeah, that's like, crazy. So, it's funny, like, now we get the whole backstory on that. Yeah, and, I mean, this is going pretty quick. We're already on the ninth king here, yeah. so we're pretty close. The series of second takes over, um, which, remember... Which is Danny's dad's dad. Exactly. So, grandfather. Right. Your grandfather, right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, the series of second, uh, younger brother of Aegon third, mm-hmm. um, all that. Uh, he was described as a great king. Uh, he really just increased trade in the city. That's the biggest thing he did. And um, then he was actually poisoned by his own son, who was Aegon the Fourth, <laughs> and died. <laughs> so that's the end of him. Very nice. Um, Aegon the Fourth, tenth king. How fucked up! You poisoned your own fucking dad. That's fucked up. He wanted that. I mean, think about it. what Ramsay Bolton do. Stabbed his own father. Some say, some say you're the greatest swordsman that ever walked. <laughs> Maybe you're not. <laughs> so great. But in 172 AC, he took over after poisoning his own father. Uh, he actually is known as being one of the most skilled with a lance and a sword. Um, actually, a great warrior. But he is the douchebag, excuse my language, but is known for sex and gluttony. Um, so when he first started out, he was actually really in shape. He was known as a very good-looking guy. Uh, so, But he became a sex addict and actually filled the court. This is the one we actually almost thought about taking out because he's so ridiculous yeah yeah but we have to because without him you can't get to the next guy right um but what happened was he was so known for obsessed with sex um he actually was known to have sex with over 900 women which is uh it's one a day for 30 years or something like that yeah 30 a day for no no one one a day for 30 years one a day for 30 years which way you broke down yeah yeah um he claimed to the court he only fell in love with nine of those women um and actually he had a son uh that never knew his father because he refused to ever be a father to him uh queen nerys uh married him and he had sex with her over and over and over until she could produce him a son but was told another pregnancy could kill her after she kept having more sons uh, Neri said, I have done my duty to you and I've given you a son. Now let us continue as brother and sister. He said, that is what we are doing. And then bent her over and forced her and had sex with her. Jeez. Like how messed up is that? And then, uh, so then she had another son and actually died giving childbirth. Um, then, uh, it is said he did nothing in her memory, let her go. And... Then in 174 AC, he actually tried to seize Dorne with the army he had and got his ass handed to them. So he was nothing compared to Darren before him. This guy was a complete mockery of the throne. 
and he tried to take them over with dragons and couldn't hatch one. So this is where he said, produce me dragons to his fleet. And so what they did was they made cannons in the shape of dragons that would produce fire out the mouth. And he would shove basically catapults that shot fire at Dorne. Still got his ass kicked. And <laughs> nothing happened. Um, hundreds of Targaryen soldiers are said to actually have died and then wound up refusing him and supporting him on the throne. At 94 years of age, he was obesely fat and was married to Seren of Lees, uh, who was known as being one of the most gorgeous girls in King's Landing. Uh, Aegon Fourth collapsed on top of her uh, with swollen... Uh, flesh wounds and actually had heartworms in his body while he was forcibly having sex with her. Um, the worst thing he ever accomplished was before he died, he made sure he legitimized all his children <laughs> that came of him so they had to say they were related to him. So like a bunch of people had claims to the throne. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then so uh, he is still considered one of the worst kings of all time his nine mistresses um two died at childbirth two were beaten to death by him uh one he threw to the prisoners to rape which she died of smallpox and then the other one of course he forcibly had sex and suffocated her with his fat <laughs> like how fucked up messed up so darren the second took over in 184 ac the 11th king um he did everything he could to go ahead and fix the wrongs of Aegon the Fourth that was before him. Uh, so then he, you know, trying to make peace, um, he wound up visiting the crypt of Baylor the Blessed and wound up trying to be an example like him and learning from him. Uh, the realm in Dorne actually wound up making peace with him for a short moment. And he established Summer Hall in Dorne was his biggest accomplishment. Um, Dorne did have significant rights and privileges. However, he did make peace with them for a small amount of time. And he actually put a lot of Dornishmen on the council, which helped him out. Um, now we're getting into the good stuff. The good stuff. The first Blackfire Rebellion. Okay. <laughs> so... Damon Blackfire was the bastard son of Deanna Targaryen, who we talked about earlier. That was married to Aegon the Third. Mm -hmm. Aegon the Third, um, and he was he was Baylor the Blessed. Uh, she was Baylor the Blessed sister, is who it was. Okay. Um, so that's how this comes into play. So. Um, then Aegon the Fourth. This is where we were talking about. It had a daughter named Daenerys Targaryen. Which, this is where we're talking about, like, how can you be a first of your name, really, though? If you're not. <laughs> if you're not. I guess because, like, she never took the throne, but neither did Danny. So, uh, I don't know. That's a great question, right? That is crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Plot hole! <laughs> Figure that yeah. out. Yeah. Anyways, um, so, um, what happened, though, is... Uh, Daenerys Targaryen, that girl, you don't hear of her much because she actually died after birthing a son uh, for Aegon IV. Um, but Daemon Blackfire became fond of Daenerys Targaryen, which is how this happened. Um, and then they actually had a son known as Breakspear, which supported them, who makes a, a big point here. Uh, Daemon wound up becoming the Hand of the King 
after uh, showing his skill in a combat tournament um, and actually won Daenerys's hand in marriage. Um, Baylor II, though, chose to marry Daenerys anyways, and then Damon despised the throne ever since. So it's always over some fucking girl. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so many actually accused Damon of him trying to take the throne for himself because he was still Targaryen lineage along a long line, but he wasn't a direct line. Um, Daenerys had given Baylor the second seven sons and daughters, and Damon decided to build an ar- army with Dornishmen that rebelled against the throne, which started the first Blackfire Rebellion. It is told in the Citadel that Damon always hated making peace throughout the Seven Kingdoms. Um, he always carried a hatred for Aegon IV, and it was passed on through his children. So his children hated that after that as well. He said, quote-unquote, I will be named king by the next turn of the moon and announced it in the city of King's Landing in front of Aegon IV as king, when Aegon IV was king. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren II was sent Kingstar, King's guards to him uh, for treason with the help of Sir Quentin Ball, who was actually the Hand of the King at the time. Um, and they actually, he wound up escaping through tunnels in the Red Keep after the King's Guard was coming at him. Um, and when the first battles occurred, they occurred in the Vale, Westerlands, and Riverlands. The rebellion ended in the red grass field almost a year later. The red glass grass field was when Damon was met with a handful of arrows. Our arrows will blot out the sun. And it is said that uh, Sir Rivers and his private guards um, handed him arrow after arrow until Damon the first was dead. Now, here's why we have the Black... This is Damon Blackfire the First. Blackfire the yeah, First. not Damon Targaryen. Uh, no, Damon right. Blackfire the First. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets confusing because they all have almost like the same <laughs> right. names. Yeah. But um, don't worry because the Blackfire Rebellion is not over. The mm-hmm. battle ended finally when Prince Baylor Breakspears, Darren II's son, had a final siege of Dornishmen and allies from the Stormlands that were loyal to the crown. The men of Damon hammered, slaughtered, and were shown no mercy. Uh, Damon II um, was shattered, broken, couldn't make peace with Dorne. They didn't want to deal with it and became known as the Black Dragon. Um, They all were conspired against and stripped of their titles, uh, the ones that did survive and were brought back to King's Landing. And Baylor Breakspear... Uh, that we talked about earlier, gained support for Darren II because he didn't like the way they were treated when they were brought back, even though they just had engaged in fucking treason. <laughs> um, so, uh, Makar is actually described as stabbed uh, Baylor in the back on tournament grounds, and it is said up until his death, Makar lived with sadness and regret of this after he was brought Baylor was brought back. Baylor II was brought back to King's Landing. Uh, he was fighting in a seven-on-seven trial combat and um, was actually defending the Lonely Hedge Knight with the noteworthy parentage. 
which this actually goes into a knight in seven kingdoms. That's when this time occurs, which we'll give you a little summary on that at one point. But um, what brought this was then you have a great spring sickness, almost like coronavirus today, and it wiped out over half of the kingdom. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Uh, it is said the crypts were so full that they had more corpses in them than the dragon pit had dragons when it first started. <laughs> so fucked up. Uh, Baylor Breakspear's sons died. All the high septums in the scepter died. The silent sisters that were in the high septum died. Um, and then Darren II, the black dragon, passed away from disease. Um, his reign, uh, he died at 25 years old, very young. And then Ares I took over. Took over. So Ares II is Daenerys's dad. So this is actually uh, Danny's grandfather. Okay. Yeah. Um, Darren's second son is Ares I. He assumed the throne in 209 AC. Uh, Blood Raven was actually a loyalist of him. Was appointed as Hand um, after having a quarrel with Ares' younger brother, Makar. Uh, Blood Raven became the first masters of whipper masters the of whippers, <laughs> the whippers, yeah, whispers, uh, the slave owners, yeah. master of whisperers in gotcha. history. Uh, <laughs> wow, that was fucked up. <laughs> master of whisperers in history. Gotcha. History. Um, uh, so what happened was there were countless attempts from other loyalists of the Blood Raven, uh, which is how he was the master of whispers, that attacked to kill Ares the first. And the second Blackfire Rebellion began with that. Um, there was a peak of loyalists to that convinced that were convinced to challenge the right for the throne by Damon Blackfire the second because they were still in support of him. Um, Damon Blackfire the third competed in a tournament in celebration of Lord Bittersweet's marriage. Lord and the Knights witnesses witnessed Damon Blackfire's the third skill in combat and actually regarded him as one of the best warriors to this day. Um, it was over before it began, the second Blackfire Rebellion. Ares the first discovered Lord Brendan Rivers and three Kingsguard at 300 Raven's Teeth, uh, which were almost like I mean I guess you can call them like little birds for the Master of Whisperers um, and 500 knights and 5,000 infantry that he took from the Riverlands to put down the rebellion. So there, I guess there are more like um, brothers with banners. <laughs> Brotherhood without, without banners. Brotherhoods without banners, yeah. Um, and then uh, Damon uh, Blackfire tried to overthrow Ares against that and claim the rightful king. Uh, Damon III... Um, charged with men towards the castle. Ares overwhelmingly wound up being outmatched because he brought even more. Uh, Damon commanded his troops to fight to the death. And then um, Damon Blackfire, uh, they still wound up winning because of dragons, but was taken captive and held a prisoner of the Red Keep. You go straight into the third Blackfire Rebellion. Damon's loyalists because they won't fucking die like the Kasseri Wars, man. Um, so they tried to overthrow the throne again. Damon the Third. This is grandson shit. Um, so he <laughs> sided with Hagon the First Blackfire, who was his cousin, and Sir Agor Rivers, and they launched the rebellion. 
uh, Prince Magar, who is, you know, the younger brother of Damon the Third, uh, or sorry, um, Prince Magar, who we were talking about earlier, uh, uh, they launched an army against the king. Um, but Magar actually led the army for Aegon the Fourth and actually proved a valuable warrior. And this is when Bitter Steel, that always supported the Blackfires, um, the brother of Brendan Rivers, had a one-handed battle in Bitter Steel. It's a very famous battle. Was actually defeated and taken captive. Um, Makar won the battle uh, for the king with Hagon the First, his cousin. Uh, they showed no mercy to the Blackfires. Killed everyone. Uh, Bitter Steel was tried and found a treason. King Ares uh, decided to show him mercy, still to make peace. And in 221 AC, King Ares died of natural causes. Um, he had an unconsummated marriage, so there was no direct line to the throne. And the throne went to his second brother, Prince Magar. So Magar I, the 13th king, he was uh, also known so as technically, Magar the Cruel. So technically, Ares I isn't Danny's grandfather. Because that's not like they're not direct. Yeah. Relatives. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's you know even I mean? farther up there. Yeah. So yeah. So like. Okay. Got I it. I guess we're at. I guess. Yeah, and he's not even a direct line. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, he's yeah. just the. Th- he's he, just a descendant. A descendant yeah. and or ancestor. ancestor. Yeah. Descendant or going back in time. Right. Um. So Magor the first. Um. He actually was quick to judge, but he died in 233 AC. <laughs> that was very was quick. Quick for him. Yeah. Um. After his death, here's the thing, though. Uh, none of his sons were actually even somewhat fit to rule. His first son, Prince Darren, was known as a drunk and a whoremonger, is their exact words, which we've talked about whoremongering. Yeah. Um, Prince Aaron Black Flame um, was cruel and actually experienced in the dark arts, so they didn't want his ass in there. <laughs> um, his third son was a sworn maester who was the most qualified, so they couldn't have him in there. So what they did was then they actually chose. This is interesting because this is kind of like the show. Um, what they did was um, uh, they had um, they actually uh, rather than list, risk another dance with dragons, Blood Ravens Hand of the King um, cho- had the Great Council choose who would be king. Aenys came to King's Landing, um, fifth of the Black Fri- Fires and Seven Sons. He was promised safe passage uh, to present the claim of Brendan Rivers, and upon his arrival was murdered. Mm. The prince, um, with an egg, was chosen, who was Aegon V. Um, Aegon V, when he became the 14th king, actually um, arrested Brendan Rivers in the king's hand for the murder of Aenys, trying to make everything correct. Uh, Rivers pleaded and said, I did it for the good of the realm. And Ares, uh, and um, it didn't matter because he still cut his head off in front of everybody. Uh, 200 men went with Rivers and uh, supported him after he was trying to plead for it. Uh, actually, so sorry. Uh, actually, so what happened was Brendan Rivers, he was about to cut his head off and then his loyalist begged for his life and he actually sent him to the Night's Watch, which this is a big point here. Because 200 men went with Rivers to the Night's Watch as loyalists. Maester Aemon was reported being spotted with those 200 men. That's So something happened how he got over there. 
but that was the first time it was ever accounted that he was seen. Um, in 236 AC, they had another six-year cruel winter in Damon the Blackfire III. Um, and Hagon, his cousin, crossed the Narrow Sea again with Loyalist Bitter Steel after, you know, escaping the last battle that took place. The battle took place at Macy's Hook um, when Aegon V awaited their arrival. Uh, Damon's surprise, he actually demolished Aegon V. Um, Bitter Steel eluded capture and later was discovered engaged in combat with swords. Um, and Sir Aegon Rivers actually died with a sword on his hand and defiance on his lips, is what it says in the book. Um, he was loved by even Aegon the fifth was loved by small folk, but he kept making enemies after enemies. Um, he wound up marrying uh, Betha Blackwood and had three sons. Duncan, also known as Duncan the Tall. Uh, he's the one that said I would have thrown Walter Frey off a building if I could. <laughs> um, Jerry's and Darren. He had two uh, daughters, Shira and Rael. Um, his sons and daughters are known to this day as some of the best lord and ladies around. In 239 AC, Duncan became fond of Jenny of Old Stones. So this is where this comes into play. Wait, so with the king's daughter, who's king right now? So right now, his king is Aegon V. But they didn't just say Aegon V got beat in, the, in that area down there? That was the, the, he, the better he, steel or whatever they just they just beat. They yeah, but fit. he wasn't on the battlefield. Okay, got so it. he was still alive. Okay, okay. They got demolished. Okay, but that was led by um, what was the person that led it? Darren something. Damon Blackfire. Uh, yeah, Damon. Blackfire. Yeah, Damon Blackfire and son of Hagon cross the Near Sea with against bitter uh, with bitter steel, mm -hmm. and he the, it took place at Macy's Hook. Yeah, so he wasn't actually there, okay. but like his commanders. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So like, he, he didn't pull a Jon Snow as much as he <laughs> wanted him to. Um, so uh, Jenny of Oldstones, and she was actually referred to as the Witch of the Woods. You know, we talked about Jenny of Oldstones before, uh, which is the famous one songs were written about. What happened was she was so ridiculed because she wasn't royalty. I guess, wait, hold on, because my, my question is, because you said that... Aegon V had three kids, Duncan the Tall, two of the other two. Aegon had three sons, Duncan, right. Jerry's, and Darren. Right. But then neither of them take the throne, do they? Because isn't, isn't the next king the Danny's dad? No. Oh, okay, got it. No. So I got, my is, I, got, I got my timeline messed The next got one it. is Jerry's. Okay, got it. Which Jerry's is his son. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know, it's weird how it skips around. Yeah. Jerry's doesn't rule that long. Um, but uh, Duncan married Jenny, who they didn't support because she wasn't royalty. Right. Um, and actually what happened was the king um, became so offended by this because Duncan was already betrothed to someone else um, that Duncan became known as Lord of the Dragonflies because there were so many rebellions that occurred because <laughs> of this. Um, and he was actually... Betrothed to someone in Dorne. I was gonna try to make peace again. Fucking give up Dorne, man. Just let it go. <laughs> um, and then what happened was uh, Aegon V had another son that was betrothed to someone, and they discovered he had already gotten someone pregnant, so I was forced to marry her. Um, 
Which, remember, you know, like I said, Arya discovered High Heart and Storm of Swords, and Rob Stark heard of the Jenny of Oldstone song all the way to on the way to House of Frey. Um, but this is the big song that was written about her, and she was became very famous uh, become because of this. Um, and actually, so. <clears throat> Um, just so you can see this so uh, Aegon um, had betrothed Prince Ares to Celia Tully so to make an alliance with the Tullys at Riverrun but they found out that he had already gotten someone pregnant and uh, shattered that betrothal and that was the other son that Aegon V had the one that was later on other okay. one, yeah. not, not one of the three right exactly <clears throat> um uh, so what happened was then you actually even had another rebellion that occurred by Sir Jeremy and Rat the Hawk, which were two um, kind of like ninepenny kings. They weren't weren't powerful enough to be kings, but just to start a rebellion. Um, and they were actually slain by Prince Darren on the battlefield, which, you know, he got that chick pregnant. <laughs> but he was a badass warrior. Um, he killed both of them, and he referred to them in front of all the land as pigs that deserve to get their throats cut. <laughs> Pretty fucked up. This is what sparked the Battle of Ninepenny Kings. Okay. So you see, the Blackfire Rebellion, a lot of people get that confused, like it's so separate. The War of Ninepenny Kings came from that, because the Blackfire Rebellion was just little rebellions that led up to it. Right, and the Blackfire Rebellions were led by, what is it? Damon, 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 one, two, and three. One, two, and three. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, the War of Nine Penny Kings. This would probably be, besides Robert's Rebellion, the most badass thing to see in House of Dragon. Uh, whenever that season would be, it occurred in 258 AC with nine groups of outlaws. Um, they got together at what was called the Tree of Crowns, which was known as an unholy church. Um, it included cell swords, pirates. Exiles and the Golden Company. Mm. Mm-hmm. Golden Company. Um, and the last direct line of Blackfires were there. Um, the most notable was Maley's the Monstrous. Um, he is described as, I say, badass. <laughs> they say skillful. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, he's the most badass, one of the most badass warriors in combat. But he was described as being one of the most built men in all the land. And was known for ripping heads off victims from roof of mouth backwards. We actually got to see that from the mountain in this. Remember when That's they, right. yeah, they tried like all the sparrows tried to get, take Cersei somewhere and she's like, I choose violence and then Yeah, ripped, I forgot about that. Literally ripped it from the roof of the mouth backwards off the head. Yeah. That was badass. Interesting. Very cool. So crazy. Um good full circles. Full circle, man. That's good shit. Um so <laughs> yeah nice man so yeah small one though yeah no dude that, um, put, that puts you into the yeah we're so, almost done here it goes um, quick it's just it's a lot of stuff you know um well what happened was duncan was told of the pact this is how it became known as the war of nine penny kings uh-huh he thought it was so fucking laughable he said it looks like nine penny kings are rebelling on the throne because <laughs> he thought it was so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Literally, little did they know it actually become a problem. So Aegon the Fifth still alive at this point. Aegon the Fifth okay. still king. Okay, Duncan's so still Duncan's, just his son. Okay, got it, got it. But remember, Duncan was so famous. Like Duncan yeah. was Duncan the Tall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually, Aegon didn't even give a shit about it, and he became involved. This is when you find out a lot of like how the kings became so 
I guess, uh, obsessed with dragon fire and finding more about dragons. Okay. Um, he had this dream that he refers to as dream of dragons. He actually traveled to a shy um, in search of dragon eggs and more knowledge. As the War of Nine Penny Kings grew and grew and grew, excuse me there. Um, but what happened was Aegon V, uh, Duncan, Prince of Dragonflies, he said to him, I wash my hands with you. <laughs> like, I want nothing to do with you anymore. I'm done. <laughs> done. Uh, 259 AC, Aegon V summoned his closest family members to celebrate his great-grandchild, which was later named Rhaegar Targaryen. Hmm. Mm-hmm. John's dad. Um, and uh, what happened was you have what's called the Tragedy of Summerhall. So Aegon V, obsessed with dragons during the time, and it is even referred to um, that there was even sorcery involved, um, but he actually had pyros brought in to hatch these dragon eggs. Um, it is still unknown how what happened, um, but it is responsible for most of the deaths in King's Landing. Um, Sir Duncan the Tall... In Walder, uh, so I had that Walder Frey yeah. quote from Sir Duncan, but um, which I told you before. But he is described as saying, so he gave a speech, um, not Duncan the Tall, but Aegon the Fifth, that said, "The blood of the dragon gathered in one seven eggs to honor seven gods." Through the king's own septum had mourned, I want pyromancers and wildfire. It says flames grew out of control, towering burned so hot. Um, that men died and then it has space 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 valor lord common because this is the only piece of paper in the citadel ever found and they don't know what was finished on it oh okay mm -hmm. uh, barristan selmy said sorcery was involved um and it is thought that they were trying to hatch the dragon eggs for rhaegar and rayala um and rhaegar and rayala somehow uh, it is thought they actually, um, Kingsguard men had moved them out as it started to burn down, um, but they were rushed out before the fire started. Uh, Aegon V died uh, as, as well with his son Duncan the Tall. Uh, Jaehaerys II inherited the Iron Throne in 259 AC along with the War of Nine Penny Kings. So they died by the wildfire. It burned down burned the down. entire okay. thing. And they were inside when it happened. The only ones that survived were the Kingsguard that stuck out Rhaegar and Rayala. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Jerry's the second took over after the tragedy of Summerhall. Um, he was plunged into the War of Nine Pity Kings. Uh, and he proposed to lead the defense himself. Um, Lord Ormond Baratheon, who is an ancestor of Robert, made he made king at the uh, not king hand of the king at the time, um, and the nine penny kings were so there was the old mother who is the leader of the pirate queen the Greyjoys, um, Samaro Sand who is one of the last Valyrians left who had a big alliance with the Greyjoys pirates they're always fucking shit up fucking Greyjoys, um, <laughs> they had a. Uh, Shobar uh, Quake, I can't pronounce it. Q V O Q U A. So, Quoka Shobar is what it's called. The Ebon Prince. 
who is an exile prince from Summer Isle who founded fortunes and disputed lands and started the Sellswords. Um, Lyman Lorshare, who is um, a famous lord for battles. Uh, and then they had uh, Spotted Tom the Butcher, who is a captain of a free company. They had uh, Derek Fosway the Bad Apple, who is an exile in Westeros. Um, also was a skillful knight, uh, known for not having mercy. They had a guy called Nine Eyes, who is the captain of Jolly Fellows, who was another pirate. Um, Adairi's Silver Tongue, who is a merchant prince, ambitious for war, and was very wealthy. And then the most famous, Melee's Blackfire the Monstrous, who we talked about. So those are all the Nine Penny Kings. Nine Penny Kings. Okay. So that's who started this mess. Um, so uh, Melee has actually declared himself the new king Blackfire, first of his name. Um, and he actually betrayed the rest of the Blackfires by himself in combat and killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so now cool. that's where you have an extinct house. Um, Damon, or sorry, not Damon, um, he took Damon, one of the last Damon Blackfires, um, he Put his he challenged him one on one. He was one of the last Blackfires left, and is described as he kicked him down and in front of everyone, put his foot on the back of his back, and as he pressed down with his foot, ripped up with his fingertips through the roof of his mouth, just like in was it season five of Game of Thrones when he tore his mouth off his head in front of everybody, and that ended the Blackfire house. Um, uh, it actually even says, as his head twisted off, his arms seizured because the pain was so bad. Um, Jerry's the second. When he was on the throne, he called Lord and Bannerman uh, to meet the nine penny kings at Stepstones and stop them from their rebellion. Um, Targaryen armies met the nine penny kings at Stepstones. Lord Orman was killed in combat by Melee's the Monstrous, um, and Stefan Baratheon was also killed by him, and it is described that his head was ripped off on the battlefield. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Um, and the new Lord Commander of the Kingsguard became Sir Gerald, who is part of the uh, new uh, Hand of the King, Sir Gerald, who is from the Kingsguard, um, who actually became famous from another battle called White Bull during that. But the most famous of this of all these men became was Barristan Selmy, and this is where he got his famous stuff from. Barristan Selmy, in single-hand combat, fought Melee's the Monstrous. On a white horse, he lanced him in front of everybody and charged him. Um, Melee's the Monstrous held a spiked mace and swung it at him and missed in combat. Uh, and then Sir Barristan Selmy cut his body in half in front of everybody. Barristan Selmy is a badass. Um, it made him the most famous knight in Westeros after this. That would be the one that you call an old man all the time. Yeah, fuck yeah. it. <laughs> um, Maelys was the last of the Nine Penny Kings to fall, and that ended the War of Nine Penny Kings. So um, when Barrison cut him in half, that was the end of the War of Nine Penny Kings. Because all the other ones were pretty much done by that point. Okay. I mean, we're not going to go in super deal. There's just so much right. information. Sure. Um, but that would be badass to see on screen. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that. 
262 AC, King Jerry's II died at 37. He fell sick, ironically, because he had trouble breathing. <laughs> what are we going through today? Um, and he only ruled the Seven Kingdoms for three years. Ares II took the throne. We're about to get into the nitty-gritty. The Mad King. <laughs> about to get into some shit. Let's get some malice in the chalice, sir. Malice in the chalice, baby! Isn't this just crazy? Like, some of the shit, though, like, you don't think about it. Like, it's, I would love to see some of this shit on screen. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, you know who Malleus and Mons reminds me of? Kind of like the mountain. So, like, how big yeah. could it be, like, you know, mm-hmm. someone that's very, very... Because remember in the books, I know it wasn't portrayed on screen, but uh, the one... That guy, he's he's known as the Titan's Bastard over in uh, Essos. Mm-hmm. You know how Darian Harris like kills him, takes the heads and drops it at Danny's feet. Well, in the, in the books, it was different. Barris and Selmy actually killed. Uh, I think it's like I forget his name, but uh, uh, he was, he was called the Titan's Bastard. Let me see if I can find it because that's actually pretty important. Yeah, because that's kind of a full circle moment. If Barris and Selmy stopped another like monstrous titan there and he did in the in the song of ice and fire too you know who i think would make Let's a see. badass beerus and selmy like a young beerus and selmy would be ewan mcgregor ewan mcgregor you think so i feel like he would be badass like he's kind of got that old ass look still but it's like i could see like a obi-wan remember when he was obi-wan yeah so Mir- miro miro was the guy's name uh in essos the titan's bastard and actually beerus and selmy kills him in the books one on one when he tries to get his revenge on Danny because what she what she did she gave him a bunch of barrels of wine and he got super super drunk yeah so oh yeah that's that was like her like her gift him and like she, he got like super super drunk and like she basically took his army and then he tried to get his revenge on her and Barris and Selmy ended up beating him in single combat so this monstrous like t- like his, his nickname is a Titan's bastard it's very interesting if it would to see like a full circle moment because you were saying like how was that guy's name the monstrous what's it called Malius the monstrous Malius the monstrous <laughs> if he cut him in half there like so Barrison's had some good moments man Dude, like it made me when I was rereading this it yeah I gotta give you all the props like Barrison Selmy is he's a beast yeah he's a beast like i would not wanted to fuck with him in his prime he's yeah dude he was like jamie jamie lannister was his squire you know what i mean like he learned everything from him but yeah get into the mad king my man this is a big one as i'm I'm this is gonna make everything start to make sense and you know we've seen glimpses really get into the names that people recognize yeah yeah um, so he took the throne in 262 AC as 18 years old. He actually at first was described as actually being very handsome and charming with women, which you wouldn't think that because all you think about is King Scat. Burn them all! <laughs> Burn them all! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so actually, early in his reign, it's described as no one thought he would be called a mad king. Right. Or the mad king. Um he actually was known at first as Ares the Wise or Ares the Great. Um, he uh, wound up. So, Edgar Sloan was the hand at the time and forcibly retired just because he had a lot of disputes with Ares. Um, Ares the Second, not Ares the First. So, good old Tywin Lannister takes over as Hand of the King. <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> Well, actually, for a while, they did really well because Tywin, as we know, pulled all the fucking strings. Pulled the strings, had all the gold, yeah. Everything. Pretty Mm -hmm. much everything. Mm -hmm. So Ares became like a figurehead at this point. Um, 
Stefan Baratheon was put on the council. He actually fought in the War of Nine Penny Kings, so that's how they had some chemistry there. He's put on there by Tywin. Ares had no moves during this time. Um, <clears throat> Ares actually served under Tywin as the war of, under in the War of Nine Penny Kings, which is why he appointed Tywin as his hand because he had a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Um, what happened was Tywin began to reestablish order in the Westerlands after the Nine Penny Kings occurred, uh, which sparked from the Blackfire Rebellion. Sure. Um, which sparked from the Dance of Dragons. Right, sparked well, with that's it's all thing. it's all a domino effect. It's like we can't cut something out yeah. because then you're like, how the fuck do you get there? Yeah. Um, so what happened was Tywin decided to take over the Stepstones. So they did, and wanted to build a city with Ares of white marble uh, around the Blackwater Rush. Um, so you have them kind of starting to do more conquering at this point. And in 270 AC, they actually went out to visit Sunspear. Um, and uh, Ares is quoted as saying, I will make Dornish deserts bloom. Uh, his plan was to build a massive canal underneath the massive uh, the mountain pass. Which, remember, that's where Darren I was planning his armies to take over Dorn. Um, but for resources, so that way uh, Dorne actually would gain trust in him. It actually backfired. Doing all this construction and shit in Dorne, Dorne lost a lot of respect for him, like they always have, um, and lost trust for him because Ares wound up making promises he couldn't keep because they had a lot of problems with the resources when it was being built. Um, Ares II ruled well for a time, and Grand Maester Pycelle said, the gods made and shaped him to be a true ruler because of Tywin's commands. This is where you're going to start having some problems. Um, Tywin uh, settled issues in Bravos um, and actually made them kneel. He was known for harsh punishments, <laughs> but it was like one of the first times Bravos ever kneeled to anyone. In 263 AC, Tywin married Joanna Lannister, um, who was the... Jamie, Tyrion, Jamie and Tyrion, Cersei's, Cersei's mother. Grand Maester said, all smiled, um, and I do vow that I have even one that observed uh, that has laughed three times with Tywin, because it was actually the one person that made Tywin happy. So he was more down to earth at this point. Um Tywin didn't get along with any other immediate houses and actually describes him as despising his father and his own family. So he's pretty much about himself at this point. And yeah, I, you may remember in the show he talks terrible about his dad. He's mm -hmm. like, you know, he was he was talking, I don't know if he, who he was talking to, I don't quite remember, but he was basically saying, my, you know, my father was a fool. Like, you know. It almost makes you wonder, like, did Tywin not just give a shit about his Honestly, I don't think Tywin ever really gave a shit about his family. Well, he gave shit about his his family's name, you know, because he like that's why mm -hmm. he yelled at Tyrion's like, you, name, like you know, yeah. uh, the law makes me have to let you bear my sigil and my father's sigil before me because I cannot prove you're not a Lannister. So he obviously cares about his name and legacy. But I remember him talking poorly about his dad, saying that he was a fool, that you know people liked him, but like you know. That he didn't amount to anything basically you kind of wonder though whether it was like all for his own benefit like because remember he didn't give a fuck about Tyrion. i don't think it was all for his own benefit i think it was for the, his legacy i think i think he wanted to like mm -hmm. 
his house to be, you know, generation after generation. Yeah. That's why he's so he was so desperate to get Jamie to marry and have a child mm-hmm. because he wanted his line to continue. That's why he was willing to uh, save Tyrion's life when Jamie's like, "Okay, I'll I'll do what you want, yeah. just spare his life." And he's like, "Ah, deal." And I'm glad so. you brought that up because that plays a big point in this. Perfect, actually, knock it out. Um, so Joanna gave birth to twin girls, and it made Ares angry because he still hadn't been. Uh, hadn't birthed a rightful heir um, in 267 AC. So ha- Rhaegar Targaryen's not Arya's son. So he is his son, but he wasn't in direct line for the throne. So I don't know if wait because was- you just said Rhaegar and Rayala were were shipped out underneath a different king. Aegon the Fifth or something. Right, like that. but that that's right. So it wasn't Ares' so, son. So Rhaegar Targaryen is not Ares' son. No, Rhaegar Targaryen Prince is, Rhaegar is Hold on. Jerry's the second son. Okay. So So basically Rhaegar is Ares' older brother? No, hold on. Actually, sorry. This is where it can get confusing, so I'm glad we're slowing down for just a second. It was No, uh, because Rhaegar the first was Aegon the Fifth fourth son no v's are five fifth. Yeah. <laughs> fifth sorry so not aries the second rhaegar is aegon the fifth son right so why. so this is a so there's two different rhaegars then or is this the same rhaegar because if, it, if we're going by that's the same rhaegar this rhaegar targaryen had to have been like 50 at this time then and he's only like 30 no because aries the second is only 18 years old but we're on yes but we're on you said he's aegon the fifth's child if he's Aegon the fifth child, and it goes down from Aegon to Ares to Jerry's to Ares the second, but you gotta think when they took over, because Jerry's right. was only around. Jerry's died at twenty six. Right. So but, like Rhaegar would be like thirty. Right. So, but that, that's what I'm saying. So, but that he would be older than the Mad King then. So let's do this. Hold on one second. Because that doesn't. Because I yeah. want to get that clear. Right. Because because so, if he if he would be like thirty at that time. Like he would be older than the Mad because isn't isn't Ares the second Jerry's son? Ares the second is Danny's father. Right, but I'm talking about who's who's Ares the second's dad, isn't it, Jerris? Ares the second is dad is Jerry's. Right, and so if Rhaegar is older than him, he's obviously older than the Mad King. So there's got to be either be two Rhaegars Rhaegar. or the timeline's a little weird. Which they could be, yeah. So let's look, uh, Rhaegar. So. No, it says his dad is King Ares II. So I bet you that's another Rhaegar then. Okay. That's got to be. It's got to be a second Rhaegar. Because it even says Rhaegar was the eldest son of King Ares II and Queen... That's right. Okay, so that was the first Rhaegar before. Okay. Uh, The Rhaegar we're going to talk about later. So that was Rhaella's son. Okay. So you had... Rhaegar and Rayala. I'm glad we got that straight because yeah. that was confusing me for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's the problem with so many damn notes. Yeah, so and so many names are all the same. So right? many, it, like Daenerys Targaryen and shit. So you had Rhaegar and Rayala that was shipped off. Yes, that's what, what I was yeah. talking about. That's not the same Rhaegar. That's not the same. Okay, because that cool. was um, basically his uncle. Okay, like uncle is who it was. Because Queen Rayala was his sister, and the Rhaegar we're going to talk about is the son of Rayala. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just yeah. Did, I, that's always okay. I didn't need to make yeah. sure. Like I was like, okay, because no, I didn't know there was a second Rhaegar. I didn't know yeah. there was a Rhaegar the first and Rhaegar the second or whatever. No, because so. that threw me off too. Yeah. I was I was getting thrown off there. So okay, now that we got that clear. Yeah. So that was another Rhaegar. Okay. But that Rhaegar was the Rhaegar we're going to talk about. That's his uncle. His mom was Rayala mm-hmm. that was shipped off. Yeah. So got now it. we're at Ares. Yeah. Um, the second who's Danny's dad. Right. 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 Um. So, uh, it was actually early in his reign, um, let's see, that, uh, so Tywin established, a, you know, the merciless order, as we were calling it, um, and... Because we were at the part where, Ty, or, yeah, Tywin's wife gave birth mm-hmm. to two twins, two girls. Got it. That's, Got where, it. that's where we left off Yeah, there. which is right here. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, um... Uh, after they gave birth to the uh, twins, so then a uh, what happened was it started developing. Uh, so Titus Lannister dies, um, which, which is kind of Tywin's dad. Tywin's dad, yeah. and he died in two sixty seven A.C. Mm-hmm. Um, Tywin wound up becoming Lord of Castle Rock mm-hmm. at this point, um, and it established a little bit more of a relationship between the king. Uh, well, a little bit more relationship between him and the West with Casterly Rock, but the king and him began to fade because he made more of a relationship with Casterly Rock at the time. Well, also, because like, you were saying something about Eris being upset that they had two mm-hmm. girls. Right. So where, um, where did that come into play? So, uh, so you have this little trade war that winds up happening, and what happens first, because we're going to talk about the girls in a minute. Tywin proposed a policy of neutrality. Um, well, what happened was um, House Bracken in the Blackwoods, um, there was tension between Tywin and Ares that continued to rise with them, and merchants wound up complaining and actually rebelled again, which they wound up putting down. But Ares got pissed at Tywin and said, Lord Tywin shits gold, but as of late, he has been constipated and <laughs> has had to find other ways to fill coffers. <laughs> like Alpha in front of the rebellion after they put him down. That's funny. Tywin, offended by the statement, uh, disregarded the king's decisions at that point and just put his own choices in favor. Okay. So at this point, like it was just all Tywin now. Um, Ares became aware of this and tried to prove him otherwise. So now you have this back and forth. Ares had a celebration for his 10th year of Joanna Lannister's reign because Joanna Lannister um, brought the six-year-old twins, Jamie and Cersei's Lannister, before the court. This is when they were still somewhat getting along with Tywin. Okay, so hold on. I need you to go back a couple pages because you didn't explain that you said that he had two girls. So you said Joanna Lannister had two girls. Tywin's wife had two girls. Yeah, and then but they like, had Jamie. But, like, who's the other girl? It's Cersei and who? They never said. Like, in the books, I have no idea. So I was actually wondering about that, because remember when we were talking about the witch in the show? Yeah. That makes me wonder about that, if they brought that up. Why? Because this is the first time Jamie has ever brought up. So, right, so hold on. Go, go back to that page, like, a couple pages back, mm-hmm. where you first mentioned the two girls. Because you said, you said that, you know, Tywin and Joanna, they birthed two girls, and it upset... Yeah, Lady Joanna gave birth to twin girls. Twin girls, right there. Okay, so twin mm-hmm. girls. So we only know. So is Cersei one of those twin girls, or is this a different, um, a different uh, pregnancy than the ones with Jamie and Cersei? Or do we not know? Or like, 
Hold on one second. Uh, it says, yeah, it says, okay, so here's what happened. So Ares had married Rayala. Uh-huh. Which Rayala's son is Rhaegon the first. Rhaegar the first, not Rhaegon. Rhaegar the first. Um, she couldn't produce an heir. She had miscarriages the entire time. Uh-huh. And Ares forbid the queen queen to leave. And even every night, he would share the bed with her and two other women. Lady Joanna, married to Tywin, gave birth to twin girls. And it made Ares more angry with Tywin and said, I appeared to have married the wrong girl because at least she could birth something. Right. So it doesn't but say. We don't though. know who these two girls are. And are we sure it's not just the twins? Like, do we do we do we see like is that? Are we sure it's not like the twins, like Jamie and Cersei? Are we sure that's not that, or is that something separate? In the book, all it says is that. So the only thing I can think of is when you go back to season six, when she was meeting with that witch and she talked about the other sisters she had. She Remember didn't that? Talk about you, or when she was talking about with the witch, like the other. Or the brother the or something? No, the son. About the the okay. son, which was Got it. Robert and Cersei's son. So this the, twin. The, these twin girls things. Did that? Did you happen to write the page down? I probably wrote it down wrong. Okay, so it was it, probably it, it, okay. twins. Okay, okay it got was. it. And okay. I just wrote twin girls. Okay, so that so, yeah. solves that. Okay, okay that was yeah. that was so, confusing me. I was like, gave man. birth to twins, okay. Jamie and Cersei. Okay, got so it. that got makes it. sense. Yeah, okay. so twin. Because I was like sitting was there so, dissecting that. I was like, when did Cersei have a, a sister? Yeah, so no, because here's what happened. He said, I appear to have married the wrong girl, not twin girls. Mm-hmm. So it gave birth to twins, and it made Ares more angry and confrontational with Tywin. Got it. Okay. So this now was Jamie and Cersei. So now, now we're, we're on track, right? Yes, now we're on track. <laughs> uh, so now that makes sense. Okay, so after the trade war occurred and they had the problems there, and he announced all those issues... Um, Ares had a celebration for his tenure as reign because he had reigned 10 years. Joanna Lannister. Okay, here we go. Yes. <laughs> brought her six-year-old twins. She only had yeah. two twins. So not twin girls. Got it. It's Jamie it and Cersei. Jamie and Cersei before the court. Got it. Ares the second offended they were even brought because he still couldn't can't produce, produce a child. Someone, yes. Said <laughs> to <laughs> Cersei keep in mind she's only six years old right can you give suck to your breast yet <laughs> just to be a dick tywin greatly offended threatened to resign in 273 ac joanna died at childbirth giving birth to Tyrion. giving birth to Tyrion lannister so that makes sense okay. sorry so not twin just twins okay yeah that's where i had my sentences mixed up because okay. It was. I was confused. A-girl. I was like, when yeah. did they have? That was. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, man. You throw <laughs> me up. Tyrion, it was said, was born with a demonic eye, mismatched, oversized head, malformed, dwarfish, with stunted legs. Aegon, or sorry, Ares the second. Aegon's dead. <laughs> Ares the second told Tywin, "The gods cannot abide by such arrogance of you. They have plucked a fair flower from this world and given you a nice monster in its place to teach you humility at last." Which is because Joanna died during childhood. Yeah, and yeah. Tyrion was living exactly um, in two seventy four A.C. Queen Rhaella gave here it is gave birth to a son that is said restored the king's landing to somewhat of his former self 
um, which was Rhaegar the first. However, the second uh, or the probably. second, second. Sorry, because like, the, first was the first is his uncle. Like, yeah, uncle. Okay. it was shipped out. So Rhaegar the second was born. Because Rhaegar the, the first one. is Rhaella's brother. Right. Okay. The problem is we always think of this Rhaegar because this is the famous one. Yeah. Um. So, however, uh, it says Jerry's died, um, after being plunged into despair, um, and and she just got depressed. Um. Not knowing who to blame, Ares actually blamed a uh, baby nurse and uh, actually claimed uh, the baby was poisoned. So this was a baby that was Ares's descendant and uh, blamed the nurse to be monstrous. So he had her tortured to death by the Kingsmen. Um, in the torture, it is recorded that she confessed of poisoning the baby that was had, um, but no evidence was ever found. And that they think they just forced her to confess. Queen Riala gave birth to a second son for Ares II, and Prince Viserys was born. So this is Viserys III. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny's brother that we see on screen right. that exactly. sells her to Caldrogo. Right. So we know who this is. Um, all of Westeros rejoiced and persuaded, uh, su- uh, supported Viserys. Um, Ares had multiple kingsmen actually watch around him as he slept so no one could attack him poison him he even forbode the queen herself to go in the same room as Viserys um, so the, he kind of liked Viserys more than he liked Rhaegar yeah that's weird most definitely which is weird because the Rhaegar is kind of like the chosen one like, everyone always talks about him as the last dragon like the badass on the battlefield like yeah the prince that, you like, really you know, wonder about that that's strange it um I guess it came down yeah, I don't know. I have no an- this weird answer for that. Um, but um, it was described as many gifts were sent there. And actually, um, he would take the gifts into the courtyard and burn them all before they got near the series because he considered them all poisonous poison or, or bad omens. Um, Tywin Lannister actually held a tournament in celebration for Prince Viserys when he was born. Uh, Ares II refused to attend, but Queen Rayala convinced him to uh, afterwards. And Prince Rhaegar, who is the older brother of Viserys, mm-hmm. uh, was knighted at the tournament and unhorsed um, Tyga and Garen Lannister, who was known for the joust at the time. Uh, and this is when he was young. Right. Um, yeah. He also fought in the sword tournament at that same tournament. Beat Barristan Selmy, but lost in the finals to Sir Arthur Dane, Sword of the Morning. Holy shit. This guy was a badass. Tywin Lannister, impressed with Rhaegar Targaryen, offered Cersei Lannister to marry him. Ares stepped in and refused to let the offer happen uh, and said, <laughs> and um, uh, said to him, trying to find the exact quote, Let's see, Rhaegar... Okay, so yeah, Rhaegar accepted the offer to marry her, and when confronted about the incident, Ares said, No one in this house will be friends or ever marry a Lannister, much less ever support the old <laughs> old treasonous hand. <laughs> like, so wait, is he no longer the hand now? Is Tywin Lannister no longer the hand of the king? Uh, so he's still hand. But he said the old hand. Uh... 
Well, he threatened to leave. So I guess a Taiwan offered... No, he did leave. Okay. Remember, because it was after the suckle thing. Okay. Like he, I guess, like he was so offended he quit. Okay. Is what happened. Um. No one to be friends with the Lannisters or the old hand. Uh. So. Yeah. So I guess he just quit after that, which is fucked up. But, <laughs> um, Ares was uh, slowly becoming more mad, is what it was described as, in 277 AC. He was plunged into a madness with the defiance of Duncansdale. Yeah, so he actually did quit after this um, because that was like the final turning moment where Tywin resigned his hand. Okay. He resigned peacefully, but... Res- no, 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 no. That's not true because there's something that happens later. So, fucking notes, man. I think... He said, no one is to be friends with the Lannisters or the old hand. So... I guess he had just... I don't know what he meant. I guess he... Because he's still... Let me make sure I didn't skip anything. Just to make sure. <laughs> we want to make sure. This is a lot of fucking information here. Um, Some, you're somewhere on this page. Because he said yeah, he was greatly offended by the sucking thing. Ruined by your breast. Tywin was greatly offended. In 273 AC, Joanna died at childbirth. Um, the living so Tyrion he was just Lannister. offended he didn't quit at that point yeah so he didn't quit so I don't or he just said I guess the hand so or maybe it's yeah. just an insult calling him old who knows yeah or the old hand yeah I guess he's old yeah so, I, so I guess yeah. that's gotta be what it is could be um but Ares was slowly becoming more mad in 277 AC it was said he was plunged into madness in the defiance of Duncansdale Duncansdale was a harbor in Blackwater Bay um Lord Denny's uh, had desired a charter for Duncansdale um, and actually was trying to negotiate for the crown and then decided just to try to take what he wanted. The king traveled to Duncansdale with a small escort from Sir Gawain of the King's Guard, and it was a trap. Uh, Ares was seized with escorts, and Sir Gawain was killed, and his head was cut off in front of him. Uh, Denny's sent word of the attempt <clears throat> and sent it to King's Landing and threatened to behead Ares. Tywin Lannister um, ordered... Yeah, so he's still okay. hand. So he must have been like just older hand, I guess. Sure. But that is an actual quote. So Tywin Lannister ordered a fleet to surround Duncansdale and form a blockade. Denny's made several efforts to um, try to negotiate, but Tywin refused. (laughs) Like, just wasn't going to negotiate with him. Tywin um, demanded surrender, otherwise he would kill every last man, woman, and child in the harbor. Um, And there has actually been a debate whether or not, like, why he wouldn't negotiate, and it's because he just wanted Ares dead anyways and didn't care. Um, Tywin actually told the council... He may or may not live, but if he dies, we have another one right here. Like, how fucked up is that? Um, so that's where that great debate came. But here's where Sir Barristan got most of his respect after slaying Maylees. Sir Barristan Selmy offered the council to enter the town in secret and find his way to Dun Fort, which was a part of the harbor, to rescue the king. Despite uh, his respect for Sir Barristan, um, despite... Uh, not agreeing with the tactic, Tywin wound up 
letting Sir Barristan go to rescue the king. Sir Barristan scaled the walls of the port uh, with bare hands, mm-hmm. unseen at night, um, killing guards of Dunfort one by one. The alarm sounded, and he made it to the dungeon of Dunfort. Upon exiting the dungeon, he was surrounded and ambushed by guards. He killed each guard in a line, one by one, saving Ares, and actually wound up slaying um, Lord Darklin's uh, brother, who was a master of arms, which is what they call He was basically the lead of the yeah. harbor. Yeah. Um, he also killed uh, two major people, who is Sir Simon Hollard, who um, actually was major known for a battle of Hollard's hand, um, who is known with Sir Gawain. Um, but as uh, what happened was he killed all those, made it to the stables, and Tywin had his archers surround the harbor at the exit. So as they exited on the horses, almost like kind of that Lord of the Rings thing with Eowyn when they're like <laughs> chasing him, that they killed everyone that rushed towards them. And then Ares uh, was rescued, and Sir Barristan became uh, got his title and was known as Barristan the Bold. Nice. And that's where that came from. Um, uh, it is said that the person that actually influenced Darklin was Lady Sarala, who was his wife, who would, um, what's the word, uh, persuade him with sex <laughs> and fuck him. Darklin and his family were presented in chains in front of the Iron Throne, and Ares II demanded their deaths. Um, it is said uh, Darklin's capture... Yeah, so she convinced Darklin to capture Ares with her sex persuasion. Um, they killed every single one of Darklin's aunts, uncles, relatives, brothers, sisters. Uh, the kingsmen of Darklin were beheaded. Um, and only one was spared, and that's because Sir Barristan Selmy actually pleaded uh, for the Kingsman because he had a great reputation for knowing him. Ares II, on his knees before the Iron Throne, um, actually took uh, Lady Sarala. Uh, They put her in front of the Iron Throne and cut off... This is disgusting, but they cut off every piece of her body, including her uh, breasts and shoved a knife up her vagina. Um, what well, just fucked up. That's like filleting well, she's the one, somebody. She's the one that, you know, was able yeah. to convince it to happen because of her sexual prowess. The only thing that makes sense is to remove her sexual yeah. organs, I guess, right? <laughs> it is actually described in the book as just enough insides were cut out for her to not die so that she was buried alive in the courtyard. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh Ares II buried her himself and dug the hole and said, now her enemies can say she suffered more worse than I did. <laughs> like, how fucked Yeah, he's up. petty as fuck. Yeah. Um, it is said the captivity of Ares of Duncansdale is actually what made him shattered and became known as the Mad King. Ares no longer allowed himself to be touched, even by his own servants. His hair grew unkept. He never bathed. He grew yellow spots on his skin from lack of nutrition. His fingernails grew out. I have a question for you. I, it might you might be covering it in just a second, but I just yeah. remember something along the lines of mm-hmm. like, didn't didn't Eris give Barrison Selmy some sort of reward, or he asked Barrison asked for something and he was given it because uh, he saved him. 
It. I forgot what that was. That's a great question. I think he did. I just don't remember what it was. Um, I mean, you might not have it written down. I just I didn't know like. All I wrote was Bears in the Bold, just because there's so much information. I just thought because like, I remember I kind of Look remember like, up, him ask him asking something like of King Eris. Like I don't I'm not sure, but I keep going. No, I'll see I'm, if I can I'm find sure it. he did. I just didn't write it down because there's just so much stuff here. Um, but uh, so uh, Ares wound up becoming a virtual prisoner of the Red Keep. Um, basically, just disgusting looking. Um, Rhaegar actually uh, told the people of King's Landing word spread that he would have been better off dying in Duncansdale. <laughs> um, so Ares sought to find a suitable wife for Rhaegar, which was his son, of course. Um, he commanded Lord Stefan to sail out to Old Volantis to find someone that was old blood of Valyria so they could keep it pure blood. Um, Stefan Baratheon's um, mission ended in failure uh, when his ship malfunctioned in Volantis and he actually, his ship sank and he drowned in the sea. Ares, enraged, accused Tywin Lannister of conspiring and tampering with the ship. The spider, also known as Varys, became known in small folk of King's Landing. This is when he started making himself known. Ares hired him um, and made him the masters of whip whispers and uh, said, I look forward to hearing from your little birds. Yo, I got it. Awesome. The only exception of all the people that were, that were killed after that um, defiance of Dukensdale was Dantos Hollard, whose life was spared when Sir Barrison Selmy requested it and Eris That's was right. unable to refuse a man who had saved his life and granted this boon. Remember who Dantos Hollard is? It's Sir Dantos, the one that helped... <laughs> Sansa escaped from King's That's Land. right. So that's that's the thing. I, I I knew it was something. He asked for something, but I don't remember what it was. But was it? Did he give him something, or he just like saved? No, he like because I remember it was a request. I didn't remember what the request was. The request was just like to spare gotcha. Dantos Hollard. So. That makes sense. Awesome. Cool. That's good. Which that was the guy I was talking about. I just didn't have his name. So mm. that's really good. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, so uh, then Ares actually wound up. Uh, sailing with men to Dragonstone because he became obsessed with dragon eggs. So that's when all this wildfire Obsession stuff starts, became yeah. started. Um, he actually became obsessed with the Guild of Archimists, and that's when they designed that jade green substance of wildfire. In 280 AC, Ares experimented with the wildfire on traitors, murderers, and plotters, and he would burn them all. <laughs> Where's where that came from? He became known as the Mad King after using wildfire in Dorne. And it was Dorne that referred to him as that. Um, he was mainly known in Westeros as King Scab because how disgusting he looked. In 279 AC, Rhaegar Targaryen was betrothed to Elia Martell. Mm -hmm. um, Raped her. Killed her. Here we go. Murdered children. Getting into the good stuff, baby. <laughs> yeah. Victor! Murdered her! Take the last one there. Kill Josh. the children! Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, who is, you know, the sister of Dorne Martell, Prince of, Prince of Dorne. Uh, they were married the following year in secret, you know. Um, in 281 AC, which we're going to get into that whole tournament mm -hmm. that we were talking about. Uh, Sir Harlan, yeah, that you were talking about, um, passed away in his sleep. Um, so the person you were talking about, 
No, Dantos Hollard is different. Dantos Hollard is different. This is Sir Harlan, the grandson. Okay, this is a different guy, Dan. Fucking names, man. (laughs) That's the way to sleep. Aries snapped uh, and actually offered a white cloak to someone we're very familiar with, who is the young son of Tywin, Jamie Lannister, in a Kingsguard position. Um, Jamie actually won his knighthood from Sir Arthur Dane, Sword of the Morning, during a campaign when he was five years old um, against outlaws called the Kingswood Brothers. See, Arthur Dane personally knighted him because he was so so impressed with his skilled performance. That says so much about Jamie. That's so confusing, though, because if you're knighted, so you're a squire before you become a knight. That's that's like the, the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Like you have to squire for a, a knight, and then they have to knight you. Yeah. So if he was already knighted at five years old, why was he Barris and Selmy squire afterwards? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like I mean, a lot of stuff contradicts itself. We got a lot of questions. Here. Unless Jamie is like anyone can become a knight. <laughs> when the fuck did that happen? But that, yeah, that's, that's what they say. And uh, Jamie actually being Tywin's heir would not be able to marry because he was offered the Kingsguard mm-hmm. position. So it was an insult to Tywin. Uh, Jamie accepted it and went on one knee. Uh, Tywin, utterly offended, uh, this is when he retired and Ares II accepted. So this is when he officially quit yeah, being done being the hand. Hand Gotcha. So I knew it happened at some point. I just didn't think it happened that early, so you're right. Yeah. Um, but this is when he quit. Tywin surrendered his office and went to Casterly Rock to live with his daughter, Cersei Lannister. Um, Tywin was replaced with Lord Owen Merriweather, um, who is only famous for being out of shape <laughs> and laughing at the Mad King's heinous jokes. <laughs> um, so he was just trash. In 281 AC. He, he was a yes man. Like, yeah, yeah, he like, basically, like, whatever the king said, yes, yay, yeah, 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 go suck king. Your dick for free. Right, Teach basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, is in the chalice. Almost got enough. Either one of these. Yeah, this was a long one today. Not that bad. We're actually doing pretty well in time, though. For sure. Um, which we're getting towards the end here. Um, so, in 281 AC. Lord Walter um, announced a big tournament to celebrate um, the Maiden Daughter's name day at Harrenhal. Jamie Lannister was sent by Ares II to compete in the main event. Uh, this setting for sent forth motions um, that would basically ruin the entire Seven Kingdoms at this point. Uh, the tournament of Harrenhal. <laughs> the tournament is described as being the biggest tournament that was ever held. Um, it was said the tournament was planned a year before, and that Ares actually was planning it, but then they wound up holding it at Harrenhal. Rumors because Ares had spent so much fucking money on the wildfire that they needed someone else to sponsor the damn thing. Jeez. <laughs> like, holy shit. Um... And that uh, another rumor is Rhaegar supported the tournament at Harrenhal because it was not just a tournament, but it was an opportunity to meet with other houses in secret to overthrow his own father's rule. Interesting. Um, Rhaegar uh, played a vicious game 
between his father and the realm. Uh, Mad King's supporters included the three lords of the council, Lucerius Valerian, the uh, masters of Weir- whispers, Unic, um, Wisdom Rosarts, the Grain Maester, Guild of Archimists. Rhaegar's supporters were John Connington, Lord, Sir Miles Mooton of Maidenpool, Sir Richard, uh, Princess Elia Martell, Prince Lewin Martell, Elia's uncle, members, a member of the Kingsguard, and Sir Arthur Dane, Sword of the Morning. Grand Maester. I've got a question here. Go for it. Lord Varys served as Master of Whispers underneath Thanny's dead. Is he coming up here in a second? He's actually already Master of Whispers. Okay, because I didn't. I don't know if yeah. I was just not paying attention. I didn't hear him name. Uh, oh, sorry. The Eunuch Varys. The Eunuch. The Eunuch. The Eunuch. I couldn't okay. read it. I just yes. skipped over his name. The Eunuch. So okay. the Eunuch Varys yes. Master of Whispers. So yes. on the Mad King's side was Lucerius Valerian, Varys Master of Whispers. Yes. Wisdom so, Rosart. So, for those who don't know, eunuch is a term that's used for people who have no genitals. They have been removed. That's what the word eunuch means. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, Grey Worm's a eunuch. Like all the Unsullied are eunuchs. Barris is a eunuch, right? So that's what that means. Which is, that's good because I was just in there thinking his name was No Balls. <laughs> you have more balls than he ever had. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. your boy, man. Oh yeah, baby Ramsey. Haven't talked about good him episode, in a while, man. Oh, we'll about talk him. about him today. Don't worry when we get to that part because <laughs> we're almost done here with this history stuff. Um, so Grand Maester Pycelle is quoted as saying, "This is the closest thing I've seen since." This is the closest thing I've seen of a civil war since Dance with Dragons. Okay. That's the problem. Ares attended the tournament, actually, um, and left the Red Keep for the first time since Duncansdale's defiance. Right, because he kind of held himself up and said, you know, I don't want to be taken captive again, so got it. It is described that he appeared disgusting. (laughs) His uh, long fingernails were yellow, tangled hair, Clothes were clothes had never been washed since he went inside the Red Keep, and at the tournament he would laugh hysterical at inopportune moments, and was described as uh, molecularly. Um, he was he would melancholy re- melancholy molecularly. <laughs> I, I got you, bro. Uh, melancholy. In a split second, and would start weeping for no reason. He was mad. He, like it's yeah, fucking he was crazy. Mad. Yeah, person. he was mad. Yeah, yeah. Tywin Lannister chose to be absent of the tournament because he was so offended by his own son in the Kingsguard. Um, the tournament held a show. Jamie was prominent in the event and actually rode out in piercing white armor in a white cloak, honoring Ares. Um, the king acknowledged Jamie in front of thousands and said, I have never seen such a prowess with a sword. And then a loud cheer was uh, shown by all the land. Um, it is actually said that after the tournament, though, there was a massive party just for Jamie. And Ares said, Go back to King's Landing. And made Jamie not even able to enjoy his own party. <laughs> like, how fucked up is that? Um, the following day, when the tournament progressed, a mysterious knight appeared. No one knows who this is. This actually leads a little bit in more into Night in Seven Kingdoms, because it's about this tournament. Um, the knight on horse, three men in the joust. 
the king ordered the men to, the man to unmask himself and the knight galloped off and was never seen again it is actually suspected that Ares thought they were trying to make an attempt on his life prince Rhaegar emerged emerged as the ultimate victor in the joust um he actually enlisted just to gain favor with the commons um, which is thought as suspected to try to gain loyalty against his own dad. Lyanna Stark, the daughter, here we go, uh, of the Lord of Winterfell, recognized the Prince of Dragonstone. Rhaegar placed a blue garland on her lap uh, on the top that came from the top of his lance, and a spark arose between them is the exact quote in the book. Because, guys, think, you guys have to remember... This is a big part because I remember this, and this is a big moment here. Basically, Rhaegar slighted his betrothed wife, Elia Martell, by putting the blue roses in Lyanna Stark's lap. Because Lyanna Stark was said to be one of the most beautiful women in all of the Seven Kingdoms. So, he literally disrespected his own betrothed wife, Elia Martell, in favor of Lyanna Stark. And this is where we start that, you know... Here we go. Leading up to the Roberts Rebellion, right? Mm -hmm. That's where yeah. we're at. Exactly where we're at. Um, it is actually said... Um, so... It is actually said that Robert Baratheon... Um, it was an insult to him. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is recorded that he actually smiled. Um, and regarded Rhaegar as a simple gentleman. Uh... Of course, Rhaegar's blue garland, I wrote down, sparked something that would rip the Seven Kingdoms apart. Um, in 281 AC, winter returned to Westeros. It is said the winter was so cold that Blackwater Bay froze solid. Mm. Mm -hmm. Pretty wild. Uh, Rhaegar could not be found in King's Landing. Um, Elia and their young son, Aegon, um, which uh, were close to Harrenhal, uh, fell upon Lyanna Stark at Winterfell um, with Rhaegar, which no one was said what they saw, but the idea is they were married in secret at this point. Right, or at mm -hmm. least they were together in, yeah. in, a, in the biblical happened. sense. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Robert's Rebellion begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so following the assumed because, because Robert was betrothed right. to Lyanna Stark just, just, exactly. just to yeah. give you guys just a so heads up <laughs> is that's the whole reason that's an issue is because Lyanna Stark was betrothed to Robert Baratheon and that's why when we see A Song of Ice and Fire on screen he goes immediately to the crypts and says she should have been mine like you know mm -hmm. I think that's why so she should be here with me is because Robert was under the impression that Rhaegar had kidnapped her and raped her and like that's what happened he like didn't know that Lyanna actually didn't love him. She loved Rhaegar, and that's kind of where this kind of yeah. goes further. So no, you're you're dead on. Um, so following the assumed abduction of Lyanna, mm -hmm. uh, Ares, the Starks um, started actually having. You know, they've always kind of had this. I guess problem with the throne animosity animosity yeah like they never because, openly rebelled because Torrin right? Stark's one that knelt to the original Targaryen way right. back when because they yeah, were they were supposed to, they were about. kings in the north 
Right, mm-hmm. the Starks were kings in the north. That's right. I saw that yeah. wine go all over yeah, my I face. I saw that was nice. All on your face. Fuck yeah. Who's on my face, baby? Yeah, dude. In the face. In the face. <laughs> How about you go all fuck them until they're dead? Oh, that. Jeez. What was that? Dirty. Oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> he can't. Uh, some of the shit I say on this show. I don't man. even know how we do it. <laughs> oh, you fucking know. Um, anyway, so um, it the Starks, because of their alliance with the baratheons it started yeah. a problem still which they've never really liked the throne sure um lord stark at the time not eddard it right was it's the, his dad his dad mm-hmm. yeah demanded rhaegar admit his wrongs and had a trial and was executed on the spot Following this, who was executed on the spot? No, 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 no. The Starks were demanding that Rhaegar admit his wrongs and should be executed on okay, the spot. Okay, okay. So like, no one There's was. No yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what the Starks Demanded. wanted. Okay. Yeah, because of their alliance with the Baratheons, so <laughs> they believed it. Sure, sure, sure. Lord John Arryn, um, it is described, supported Eddard Stark. So of course, um, John Arryn. They wound up supporting him because remember John Aaron like in the in season one, Robert and Ned, they would talk about how John Aaron was like a father to them. Remember when John Aaron was poisoned and mm-hmm. like that's what kind of started the sequence that's of right. events. Yeah, like so. Yeah, that makes sense. So sides were taken and the War of Seven Kingdoms began. Uh, Robert Baratheon was actually known. He wasn't fat at this time. Was actually one of the known best warriors, dude. One of the fiercest warriors is described in the book, uh, and was Lord of Gulltown and Lord of Grafton. Uh, so, uh, was a fierce warrior and also had an alliance with the Lord of Gulltown and Lord of Grafton. He was the Lord of Storm's End. That's right. Grafton. Yeah, he was Lord of Storm's End. He just had an alliance with yes. these two, and raised a banner and opened rebellion with all three of them. Um, Robert sailed to Storm's End, where of course he was Lord of, avoiding capture by the royal fleet and started the Battle of Summerhall. Robert won three consecutive battles at Summerhall in one day. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. He defeated Lords Gratison and Catherine. Robert also killed Lord Fell in single combat and took his son Silveraxe captive. This was all in one day. Like, and these were notable people. Like, holy shit. Robert joined forces with Lord Aaron. Of course, and the Northmen uh, and the Starks, of course. So that was their big alliance there. Then you have the Battle of Apshire, uh, uh, Ashford. This is the one Mr. Frey loves to loves to take so much um, credit for. Credit for, uh, I would say. Battle of Ashford, Ashford. So Robert marched out to Ashford, located in the reach of Westeros. Mm-hmm. Um, Stannis Baratheon, the younger brother, was put in charge of Storm's End as he marched out with them. Randall Tarly, not Walder fucking Frey, <laughs> led an army against Robert's men. It was a very close battle, actually, as even described as Robert. It came down to, like, the very last few men there. But Randall Tarly pushed them off and defeated them and actually made them move north uh, towards the Reach. Remember what Stannis Baratheon said at the Night's Watch when like, he met Sam Tarly. He said, your father's Randall Tarly. 
So mm-hmm. he's the only one that defeated my brother in, in, a, in a battle. That's right. That's so fucking yeah. badass. So badass. <laughs> this would be awesome to see on screen. I would love it. Yeah. I would love to see it. Um, Randall Tarley actually uh, killed Lord Catherine, who is um, one of the allies, in battle and cut his head off and sent it to King Ares after the battle as a spoils of war trophy. Then Walder Frey shows up to the battle and says, uh, you know, it's because of my men that you all won the battle and tried to take credit for. This is where Walder Frey really gained the reputation for being a piece of shit. Because everyone knew who was. I didn't see him sending any heads or anything. Robert's army was almost destroyed, but they retreated north, and they actually regrouped with Eddard Stark, Ned Stark, and John Aaron at the Battle of the Bells, which we've talked about before. You guys don't know, Winterfell's north, the Vale of Aaron to the um, to the to the west. Yep, to the west. Mm-hmm. And they came down, yeah. So uh, so Randall actually chased them with Robert's men all the way to Stony Sept. Um, Lord John Connington led the battle for the Targaryens at this time, and Tarly went back um, to um, I always want to say Heartsbane. That's the sword, you know, wherever they were at. Oh, Horn Hill. Horn Hill. Horn Hill. Horn Hill. Horn Hill. That's what I was thinking of. Um, I didn't even read this damn book. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, man, you're always good with the names. You always crush that shit. Ah, uh, man. So, um, Eddard and John Aaron, as uh, Connington went and sieged uh, in 283, a uh, small town, uh, which is this is called the Battle of the Bells. Um, the rebels of Robert's army that were left hid actually in a brothel of this town. And as they were going through the city looking for them, that's when they came out of the brothel and slayed them all. Um, it is actually described as Ned and John emerged revealing themselves to John Connington and the men um, with an entire army of Northmen that were hid inside the brothel. Like, how the fuck can you do that? That's crazy. Um, Connington wounded... Halster Tully that was on the battlefield that was a fierce warrior and um, actually killed uh, John Aaron's cousin. So not John Aaron, but his cousin. Uh, But they lost. The battle took place within the streets and alleyways and on top of rooftops. This would be awesome to see. Robert Baratheon emerged fighting from the brothel, engaged in hand-to-hand combat with a wounded John Connington almost killing him. Robert's men slayed Miles Moot, who is Rhaegar's squire. Um, John Connington and his men retreated back to King's Landing and were defeated in one of the biggest upsets in history. Um, Ares, upon Connington's return, stripped John Connington of all his titles as punishment and considered Robert's rebellion to be the biggest threat of his reign since Daemon Blackfire. Um, Robert's victory left Targaryen forces shattered and demoralized. Rhaegar actually was in the Crownlands at the time um, and had returned from the south. Ooh, we're getting up on the Battle of Trident soon, aren't we? Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. You're about to find out something cool about Battle of the Trident, too. So it's I'm not excited. all glory like you think it is. Like, it's all for old uh, Robert, you know? It's 
You're about to find out something cool. I'm excited to see it. brings a very ironic, iconic, and full circle moment. So, Rhaegar had been in the Crown Lands and returned home from the south. He had gained commands of the Crown Lands and the Sea Fleets. He made allies with Lord Paxter, um, the uh, Red Wines Fleet in the Arbor, and uh, then wound up... uh, Princess Elia Martell came with him and commanded Dornish troops of 10,000. So that's a big, big ass army for so Rhaegar. After Rhaegar already insulted Elia Martell, she still, she her still own- supported his ass. Okay. Which, I mean, it's her husband, like, that's betrothed, so. Well, supposed but, to be. Yeah, right? but, like, you insulted her in front of the biggest tournament that ever existed in right. Heron Hall. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, that doesn't make any sense. But that's okay. Elia Martell must be the nicest woman of all time. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rhaegar and Ares actually met in the courtroom. Ares' behavior, it is described as the most erratic it has ever been. Um, he didn't trust any members of the Kingsguard, held Jamie Lannister hostage, here we go, <laughs> within the courtroom against Tywin Lannister, his own father. The Battle of the Trident begins. Prince Rhaegar and the Kingsguard commanded Sir Barristan Selmy to march to the Trident. The Kingsguard included Sir Barristan the Bold, Sir Joyner, Prince Lauren of Dorne, and only Jamie stayed in King's Landing as Kingsguard, and that's only because he was a fucking hostage. <laughs> um, opposing armies for Robert Baratheon of the Trident included House Bolton, House Karkstart, 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 House Manderley, House Mormont, House Stark, led by Ned Stark. So they were House with Humber. Robert Baratheon. They were with him. Yes. They were with him at this battle. They said against. They were with, they yeah, were with Sorry, him. with. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. I meant against Rhaegar. Yeah, okay. Is what I mean. Against Got Rhaegar. Got it. Robert had the majority of the forces with also he had the Vale of Aaron and the Graftons remain loyal that he found last minute. So that added to his army. Robert then... Right before the battle started, House Tully and House Melister pledged allegiance to him, rising up against House the Malister and House Tully. Malister. Yeah. Um, so, in Tywin Lannister's favor, he wound up getting, despite his opposal of his own king, um, he wound up getting an alliance with House Derry, House Mooton, House Ryger. Uh, Goodbrook as well, which I've never heard most of those houses. You're about to hear them soon. The battle came to be known as the Battle of Ruby Ford, which this is a pretty famous ass battle. So Rhaegar's armor, as you know, was studded with hundreds of priceless rubies, which goes back to Dance with Dragons because they wore other rubies that he wore into battle supporting the crown. Rhaegar, well matched with Robert's Baratheon's forces, Rhaegar had over 40,000 men. 4,000 were anointed knights. Robert's men had fewer, but many of his men had experience in battle as opposed to Rhaegar's 10,000 Dornish troops that were brand new troops to the battle Mm -hmm. that didn't have a lot of training. 
The battle is still described as one of the most bloody and fierce today. Sir Jornathorn Deary was slain in open combat and was a big blow to Rhaegar's forces. Actually, Sir Barristan Selmy was knocked out early in this battle. Because um, Barristan Selmy was still fighting for the king. Exactly. At this time. Right. Yeah. Um, it is actually argued that it is either coincidence or by complete chance still to this day or the will of the gods Rhaegar and Robert Baratheon met in open combat in the foggy shallows of Ford which is almost like a river yeah um, and so the Targaryen loyalists began to flank the charging northmen uh, multiple times and breaking uh, that the Northmen wound up breaking the Targaryen line. With a split front, Targaryen forces flanked the Baratheon forces all the way to one side. So they broke the line, but they pushed them to the side so they could at least kind of take them on what was left. Um, in the shallows of the ford, here we go. Rhaegar rode on a white stallion, charged and charged at Robert Baratheon, as he emerged from the river with the hammer in his hand. You're about to find out some cool shit. As Rhaegar charged, of course his ruby-studded armor, as he charged, this is that famous scene where you have Robert with the antlers on his helmet, and then you have Rhaegar charging with the sword on the white stallion. Robert picked up his iron hammer out of the water and prepared for collision. Rhaegal's red-studded sword pointed at Robert in range. As he swung it at Robert, Robert swung his hammer and hit the chest plate of Rhaegar Targaryen. Here's the catch. Most people think it was the hammer that killed him. The hammer didn't do shit. It was the spike at the end of the hammer that hit Rhaegal that caused the bleeding to start from his chest. Rhaegal still... Rhaegar. Rhaegar. Sorry. Rhaegal's the fucking dragon. Yes. <laughs> he could probably do a lot more damage. So Rhaegal... Rhaegar. Rhaegar. <laughs> Rhaegar, when the spike hit his chest, he was bleeding out his chest. Still stood up took on Robert Baratheon one-on-one, -on -one. hit Robert Baratheon, was about to execute him, and Robert Baratheon was down as he was still bleeding. So these two are fighting till the death. Eddard Stark picked up a spear and shoved it through his back. Rhaegar Targaryen died. Yeah, no, we definitely don't hear about that in A Song of Ice and Fire. You basically hear, from what you know in A Song of Ice and Fire, on screen anyways, is that Rob Baratheon swung his warhammer, it crushed Rhaegar's breastplate to where he couldn't breathe, and it killed him on impact, from the hammer to the chest to crushing his, his chest. What you're telling me is that there's a spike at the end of Robert's hammer, it pierced Rhaegar, but they still had a full battle where Rhaegar basically won the battle until Ned put a spear in his back. What does that sound like? It sounds like the, the Tower of the Joy where uh, Arthur Dane fought against five people at once and Howland Reed put a knife in his 
in the back of his neck. So now you know the true story. Imagine this. What if John knew that his true father killed his true father? Like, killed the the father wow. that raised him, Holy killed fuck. his father. I knew that was going to blow blow you off your fucking feet today. That's Holy why I didn't tell you shit. until this moment. No one knows that unless they read the book. And he Which had, book is that? This one, this one it's here? It's Song of Ice and Fire right okay. here. It's talked about... No, it's not in this, because this goes up to Dance with Dragons, because it's supposed to be part uh-huh. two. It's all in this. Um, and that's what people don't know. He had Robert Baratheon on his knees, about to kill him. This is called The World of Ice and Fire, The Untold History of Westeros and the Game of Thrones. Badass, dude. I didn't know that. Like, no one knows that. Everyone thinks that Rhaegar... Lost in a single combat to Robert Baratheon. No, dead ass. I didn't know that even to this moment. That's fucking crazy. Like, they fucked him over. And actually, it describes that Robert Baratheon was kneeling there. And instead of just executing him, he let him, like, start to stand up for a minute. And that's when Ned shoved the spear through him. Yeah. Then again, I mean, it's all it's all weird. It's war, though. It's all, yeah, all, all fair in love and war, right? That's what they say. Yeah, all right? fair but in love and war. But the also crazy part is, because think about what happened to Ned Stark. He was fighting Jamie Lannister one-on-one, and someone put a spear through his back of his leg. But again, that was on screen. In the in the book, it was different. Like, he fell off his horse and broke his leg. So, like, it's all over the place, man. It's just, like, it's funny. Crazy. It's, like, full circle, yeah. but goes around, comes around. Very strange. Yeah. Um, which Ned got his head cut off, I would say, what goes around, comes around. Yeah, right. <laughs> Then again, like, everyone thought he beat the sword in the morning, but we all saw what that happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that happened. Uh, Rhaegar was killed. Uh, Sir Barristan, Selmy, and Tywin Lannister fought until the very end. Uh, Robert um, actually was spoke of as chivalrous, but then uh, after that, and, you know, he wounds up taking the crown in just a minute, and the battle became known as the victory at ruby ruby ford because it was said there were so many rubies and as the spear was shoved through the back of rhaegar it is said that the battle was so loud but everyone stopped like it it was almost like one of those like they say you cut off the head of the snake it was like that it's like a quarterback gets hurt in a football game everyone stops and you're instantly like Fuck. Where's our leader? Yeah. Like the momentum has shifted. For sure. Because the thing is, is like when you hear about it, how it is, it's like when Robert Baratheon crushed the breastplate of Rhaegar Targaryen, that's when the rubies splattered out of his chest plate, which now we know it's a little bit different. That's crazy, man. I didn't know that shit. Yeah. Um, it actually is said, Ares cursed the Dornish after the loss um, and blamed them for betraying Rhaegar. Rayala and her new son were sent to Dragonstone in an effort to get them to safety. Princess, here we go. Princess Elia was forced to remain in King's Landing with Rhaegar's children as hostage. Ares burned his hand alive, and uh, his war council he executed in front of everybody. Uh, and then Alchemist became the new hand of the king. Tywin Lannister was spared in the army by Robert Baratheon. He returned to King's Landing, knowing Rhaegar was dead, 
and sought to betray the Mad King for his conflicts with him previously. Tywin arrived back in King's Landing with a hand-picked battalion including the mountain. The men killed everything in their route all the way up to the Tower of the Hand. This is when you have the Elia Martell tragedy. This is also probably leads up. I know you're probably gonna get to it, yeah. but like if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Eris mm-hmm. a second tell Jamie you're gonna bring me your head, your dad's head? You're there it, in just about two seconds. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about two seconds. So Elia Martell, Tywin gave the order to charge the city and kill every man, woman, and child in their path. The Mountain chose to pursue Elia Martell and her children. The Mountain brutally, brutally raped Elia Martell. Um, as she screamed, she was raped over and over, and then he crushed her skull in. He took a great sword to her body and cut her corpse in half and vertically from her abdomen through her crushed head after she was dead. Aegon's son was found in his bed. Rhaegar's son. Rhaegar's son. Sorry, not Aegon. Rhaegar's son, you know, in his little crib that they talked about. Um, inside Maegar's holdfast. The mountain picked him out in his nursery and smashed his head against the wall. Like, fucked up. It was reported brains of his were still found against Maegar's holdfast. The crazy part is here... In the books. Now, the books haven't ended yet. We still have Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring to come. But it's said that that the boy survived. It wasn't actually, like, the mountain didn't kill. Because he was supposed to be, like, the next Aegon. Because, like, if you guys read in the books, there's another Aegon Targaryen. It's not Jon Snow. Where in the move, in the mm-hmm. show, it shows Jon Snow is the, you know, yeah. secret child of Rhaegar and Lyanna Stark. But in the books, it basically, like, it shows us or tells us we don't know if it's true or not if it's a lie we might find out down the road that the boy that the mountain is supposed to kill didn't kill the right one and that it, he's the rightful heir there's that Aegon Targaryen child so I wonder what so that that very go. well could be because it actually describes in the history of Ice and Fire it goes all the way up to Danny and it basically says and then there has been a rumor of a dragon girl that has hatched three dragons today so they don't know from that point so it could have been someone else this is just what it says yeah i'm so interested in saying that because yeah because remember because if you guys look before. in the books there's chapters called Aegon, and it's because it's that it's the the boy that's supposed to be the son of elia and rhaegar so we'll see we'll see what that ends up turning into later on in the book series but it's just interesting to think about which that makes a lot of sense um too because uh, keep in mind too this is this history of ice and fire was supposed to be written before game of thrones it's still written by george but it's written as it was written by the citadel okay so what they know right um that's crazy dude which is kind of a tough read it's kind of like the silmarillion yeah. of lord of the rings like it's like fuck um Rainey's was hired uh sorry Rainey's was hiding under Rhaegar's bed um it is actually said an accomplished sir armory lorch was discovered uh Rainey's under the bed and murdered her um which you know this is the whole scene murdered her raped her killed, killed her, her children. children yeah it was always assumed the mountain was the suspect 
um, of the violence, uh, which from season four, like we said, Ares ordered Rosart, his hand at the time after Tywin had resigned to execute the wildfire plan and burn the city to the ground. Ares that planted wildfire throughout the King's Landing with the alchemist obsessed with the dragon lore and Rosart and the pyromancers um, that ordered him to blow up the city. Uh, he ordered Jamie to bring Tywin's head for his ransack on the city in treason. So this is where this comes in. As Rosart began to exit the Red Keep to blow up the city, Jamie stabbed and killed uh, Rosart that was gonna blow up the city in the back. Killed him. Jamie then charged Ares II and stabbed him in the back. Ares tried to break free and flee, and Jamie ended him by cutting his throat, giving him the name Kingslayer. We stabbed him through the back, through the belly, and then cut his throat, right? And then cut his throat. Yeah, yeah so stabbed him through the back, through the belly, and then cut his throat. Cool. Um, Ares II's mad reign was ended along with the Targaryen house. Robert's rebellion put an end to the 30 years of Targaryen rule. Um, like I said, fire and blood, you know, that 30 years? That's like 300 years. Oh, sorry. 300. <laughs> 300, I just skipped real yeah, quick. Yeah. Doing the <laughs> Man, damn, that was a 30 years. That a quick year. 300 years rule, yeah. sorry. Um, fire and blood, like I was saying, that's this first one that's out, this is based on uh, all the way from, you know, Battle of Dawn to Targaryen Civil War. Uh -huh. And then the next one that's coming out goes all the way through Robert Rebellion that we talked about today. Yeah. A Night in the Seven Kingdoms, there's only three pages on this. Um, basically what this is about, so this takes place during Duncan's The Tall uh, reign. Don't worry, this is actually my script for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry. Uh, but this just says what this is. Yeah. Night in Seven Kingdoms uh, is three prequel novels that take place during the Blackfire Rebellion that we were talking about. Um, Hedge Knight is actually the first one. It's all meshed in this one book. Um, it takes place 90 years before A Song of Ice and Fire and follows Sir Alan Pennytree and his squire Duncan, Duncan the Tall, um, who becomes later known as Duncan the Tall. Pennytree dies in the novel, and then what happens is Duncan winds up persevering through the situation. Um, he engages in a tournament um, and actually wins a dragon egg, uh, which they encounter Aegon V. Um, then he winds up leaving and encounters Dornish enemies in pursuit of a conquest of Dorne. The second book that's in that is Sworn Sword. It takes place a year and a half after Hedge Knight, um, when Aegon is still king, uh, that we talked about, Aegon V. Um, and it takes place during that great sickness we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what happened is Duncan winds up, it's more of a personal story, because he challenges an abusive husband of this woman and winds up actually killing him and the woman gives her a braid of her hair, which is, they wonder actually if the woman was Dothraki. Yeah. yeah, which is cool. It's interesting to think about. Then the last novel that's in there is Mystery Night. So this is where we talk about that tournament. The Hall tournament. Yeah, exactly. Nice, the one that had the, the mm -hmm. never, never lifted his helm up. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, so Duncan 
got that egg and then traced it down to that tournament where they found that more eggs could be there. Well, Duncan's dead by this time, by the time the, the tournament of Hall, isn't he? Well, um... It just says follows Duncan in the egg. So afterwards, okay. So whoever was there, okay, got it, got it. So got like, it. I guess it follows, like, it follows, it follows the, the like trail, the lineage, the trail, yeah, yeah the it. lineage, yeah. So um, and it actually is more of a story in the Riverlands. Uh, the Greyjoys ask for help, and then what happens is Aegon the Fifth uh, winds up fighting with the Greyjoys. Uh, to help them against Damon Blackfire and the Blackfire Rebellion. It does say, uh, so the tournament is held with the Mystery Knight and the identity is secret. I really want to read this book in detail because it makes you wonder like who that is. Um, but then at the very end of the tournament, uh, the second Blackfire Rebellion occurs and it has a big Oh, uh, so the timeline doesn't doesn't mesh up though. You because, see, it's not really meshing yeah, up because right. yeah, exactly. Like the the, the tourney of Harrenhal is f- f- well after the Blackfire Rebellions. The tourney right. of Harrenhal is even after the War of Nine Penny Kings. Yeah, so, so it makes you wonder something different. This could be like a whole nother tournament, right? It is has what to be. this could be. It has to be. The time um, doesn't doesn't mesh correctly. Just very. It's it's weird when you read these books because it's not like Game of Thrones right. when it's all in one timeline. It's like you're kind of having to piece things together. Which, keep in mind, like, Song of Ice and Fire, that's written by the Citadel. Right. And this is, like, its own account of, like, a journal from a knight. Definitely. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, the timelines don't mess, mesh at all. You know, the Blackfire Rebellions were way before right. the Tourney of Harrenhal. But, um, so, the second Blackfire Rebellion, when it was occurring, it involves a knight that enc- encountered Damon Blackfire. Blackfire. And his prize was a dragon egg so i would really almost recall mystery night as the first one that should take place Mm. versus the other two but that's just the way it was written but that was um a night in seven kingdoms and you have heard all the history like that's every bit of history nice yeah dude i i I really like how that kind of ended up there with with uh eris second basically saying hey jamie Take your dad's head off and bring it to me. And Jamie's like, yeah, I'll probably just kill you instead. <laughs> so. That's, uh, man, it's it's just wild because when you can finally relate to what these people went through versus just hearing about it. Yeah. Could you imagine that? You know what? Fuck you, Jamie. Go bring me your dad's head because of his treason. And then hearing like what actually happened with the battle between Rhaegar and Robert, that's that's crazy. You know, I, I didn't know that at all. Learned something new today. Everyone thinks Ned was always the good guy. Then again, there's no like you can't say he was a bad guy because there's no like he was fighting for a cause he believed in. You know. Yeah. So that's interesting. You know, all these houses that are involved, and you know what, like. That's actually going to bring me directly into what I'm going to bring up right now, which are the extinct and endangered houses all through from where you talked about at the very beginning of the Age yeah. of Dawn through where we are today at Robert's Rebellion and even through that into the end of the Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. So I'll jump right in on that. I mean, it's not going to take me too long, guys. Like The first house, I have two categories, right? Extinct and endangered houses. We're going to go with the, the extinct houses first and then touch a little bit on the endangered houses and what we mean by endangered, right? So, extinct houses, I'm going to touch on the ones that you hear about in A Song of Ice and Fire first. Then I'll go into the ones that you've kind of 
heard between last week and this week of the history that Chase kind of brought us through, right? So House Bolton is an extinct house. House Martell is an extinct house. House Tyrell, extinct. House Mormont, extinct. House Baelish, House Karstark, House Umber, House Clegane, House Rain, House Frey. Now, House Frey is interesting because what we see on screen is with Arya using that. Because remember, this doesn't happen yet in the books. So we're kind of iffy about this. We don't know if it's going to happen the way it's going to happen that we saw um, with Arya taking out all the phrase at that wedding. Or not the wedding, the celebration. Then she brought all the people together and made them all drink the wine. Even so, Walder Frey had so many sons and grandsons that were not even just there in the twins that have been sent to be married elsewhere. We're not entirely sure if they are extinct fully as a house but they for sure no longer have run of the twins. And if they are a phrase that still exist, it's unknown who they are or where they are. Now, getting into the houses that you don't really hear about throughout Game of Thrones on screen, some of the more extinct houses include House Went, House Amber, House Blackfire, House Cargill, House Casterly, House Cole, House Derry, House Durandon, House Durwell, House Elliver, House Frost, House Gardener, House Grayson, House Greenwood, House Grey Iron, House Haraway, House Whore, House Darklin, House Hollard, House Justman, House Luthson, House Mud, House Coheris, House Strong, House Tarbeck, House Towers, and House Toyn. Those are all the extinct houses between the very beginning of this down to where we are today. Now we're going to talk about the endangered houses a little bit. House Targaryen only has one left alive and that's Jon. Which, again, we don't know if this is how they're going to go through it in the books. Could be different in the books, but if we're going specifically for what we see on screen and how he's portrayed as Aegon Targaryen VI, he's the only Targaryen left living but he is forbidden from fathering children. So this is the end of the... After John goes, that's the end of the line for House Targaryen. House Greyjoy only has Yara left. So when and if she marries or dies, House Greyjoy is gone. House Stark. Sansa, Arya, and Bran are the only surviving Starks. So when or if Sansa or Arya get married or die, the name goes. Because as according to Sansa in the very last episode, in episode 6 of season 8, Bran is unable to father children. So if he's unable to father children, House Stark ceases to exist because Sansa's a woman, Arya's a woman. If Sansa marries, she takes the man's name. What's also kind of interesting because now that she's a queen, 
we don't know if that's going to be the case because remember, Cersei Lannister never went by Cersei Baratheon even when she was married to Robert Baratheon. So that may be a loophole, but that's still an endangered house. House Lannister, as far as we know, Tyrion Lannister is the last Lannister alive. House Baratheon, the official house is extinct, but Daenerys made Gendry the Lord of Storm's End and a Baratheon in name. So he's still the only surviving Baratheon. She legitimized him, but he's technically a bastard. He was not born from Rob Baratheon and an official wife. He was a bastard, right? So if we include the house, he's still the only one there, but even then it's not really an official house because she just named him, right? Now, House Aaron is an endangered house because Robin Aaron is the last surviving of his house. And lastly, House Tully. Uh, Ed Muir and his unnamed son are the last surviving Tullys. Rosalind too. Rosalind Frey is the person he married at the Red Wedding. Uh, but if she were to remarry, her name would change. But as it, it stands right now, Ed Muir, his unnamed son, and Rosalind are the last surviving Tullys. And that concludes our extinct and endangered houses portion. That's awesome. That's that's crazy. Because um, those are so many houses that you don't even think about. Like when I was even reading some of this stuff, like I was like, who is that? Right. Because you don't even think about that because we mainly, you know, it, I mean, unless you're really breaking it down like we do here, you don't get to see that expanded universe of uh, what was there before. You only hear about the, you know, the the personal story arcs. So that that's really awesome um, to see that that's good stuff. For sure. Um, do you want to say something cool? I found, a, I put it on the, a website. Yeah. Uh, so I think I told you this before. Las Vegas does a Game of Thrones um, night show at the Bellagio Hotel. Okay. And I didn't know that. That's so cool. And it's just like kind of generic. Like it doesn't have like main characters like Danny and stuff. But they do the Night King and then they do Viserion with Drogon. Hmm. And what they do was they have him raise the dead and the dead shadows take over all the buildings of the casinos. That's pretty cool. And then they have uh, Drogon that comes in as the dragon and the shadow just like the cover uh, covers all the buildings of the casinos and then the fountains shoot up with fireworks. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool, cool, man. That's awesome. You know, since we got a little bit of time uh, left here, what I think we should do, and I always love doing these, and yeah. I, know, I know our fans love this as well, I want to leave them with some pretty cool rankings. Me too, man. That's and, good stuff. And when I talk about rankings, guys, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna break some breaking news. ESPN here <laughs> from uh, Jay Nelly, right? Uh, break some news that we're going to have two more episodes uh, following this one here. We're gonna have Chase's final rewrite, and we're gonna have my final rewrite. And after my final rewrite, we're gonna close out our Game of Thrones arc. So as sad as that is, we still got a little bit of time. And so what I want to do while we've got some time here to close out this episode. I think we should do some pretty great rankings yeah. of our top five heroes and our top five villains and kind of see where each of them are on our ranking list. Do you think that's a good idea? I think it's a great idea. Awesome. I'm totally down for that. I think it's an awesome idea. I'll let you go first, man. Yeah, I'll let man. you get us started. 
Let, let me let me get a start here. You know, let's see what, let's see what we got going let's on. See so, what old Robbie's doing ah, in the graveyard, man. Oh, you know you you already know. <laughs> so what I'm gonna do, guys? We're gonna start with the top heroes first, and then we're gonna close out with the top villains. Let's get a little so, Mally though. Absolutely. Hey, you we're gonna let, have to break out the seven deadly sins. No, oh, the seven deadly zins oh, because Zinfandel, Zinfandel. Oh, that's that a type of wine. Sense. That's a type of wine. Oh, that makes sense. I'm all about the dirty. Hey. <laughs> In the damn, in Let's the, get a fuck them till they're dead. How about that one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking in tongues. That, oh yeah. Here, dude. Let me let me do this part. You scared? Yeah, you know, you Josh me, is bro. more of the you wine consonant. Josh takes care of the hearts. So I'm just uh, kidding. Josh takes care of the hearts. Remember all those episodes? This arc where I was knocking shit over with my hands. <laughs> uh, go get some paper I towels. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my hands. I do my hands, bro. Do my hands. Fuck yeah. Heck yeah, man. This is a man. I gotta say though, like I can't be more proud of us because I feel like we. We have covered everything really possible. In Honestly, Game of we've done we've done it justice. That's it. that's what I can say. Like, because you know what, our biggest hold, the big deal why we cover this is because we know a lot of people had issues with how Game of Thrones turned out and how it ended. And regardless of what you think, we at least are comfortable saying that we cover. We we didn't short you on anything, right? Yeah. So without further ado, guys, let me get us kicked off with our top heroes we're gonna do what we usually do we're gonna yeah. go five to one right mm -hmm. so for my top five heroes i want to give two honorable mentions first so it's almost like top seven but like no <laughs> i want to give my two honorable mentions in before i actually make my top five so my my one that just barely cracked the honorable mentions uh for me is jorah mormont Jorah Mormont, okay. he was a good guy. He's not in my top five, but he's noteworthy enough to where he stuck with his queen from the beginning to the bitter end, where he gave his he he got banished by her. He came back to her in the fighting pits. Came back to her in the fighting pits again. Like saved her life, and then and the long night, literally gave his life fighting to help her live. So Jorah deserves. An honorable mention in our top heroes, right? Yeah. Now, this is gonna make some people mad because I think some people think that she should be in the top five, and I can hear the <laughs> I can hear the argument I knew for this it. Coming. She can hear the I can hear the argument for her being a top five hero. But this is on, again, this is my opinion as Joshua, right? <laughs> so, my second honorable mention as a top and as a top hero, not quite top five, is Brienne of Tarth. I can she, agree with that. She, I like she's it. very close for me, but she's been there since season two when Renly died. Her biggest goals were to you know protect Cal and bring her daughters home safely. And even though everything happened how it happened, she ended up ultimately completing her mission. And she was one of the best warriors. She was always there, never changed her tune. Very honorable, great fighter. She just doesn't crack my crack my top five for me. She'll be my two honorable mentions. Now, do you have two honorable mentions for heroes as well? Uh, I had, yeah, I can do two for heroes. I had one for heroes, one for villains. Okay, but I can do two. Uh, my first one, the one that just barely touched it, and then the one that's close as heck to the top five. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let me write this down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hold on one second, because I gotta do my second one, but that takes like two seconds. 
So my first honorable mention, which a lot of people are going to give me shit for this, for he's not in my top five. There's just so many heroes that I loved in this show. Tyrion Lannister. I gave him an honorable mention. You dirty bitch. I didn't put him in the top five. You dirty motherfucker. I love him, though. He, uh... You know, he's intellectually... He made some fucking bad mistakes, but he knows how to play politics with both sides. You get the fucking honeycomb joke. That's the fucking tits McGee. We don't even get the, end, <laughs> we don't even get the ending of the honeycomb joke. In any, and We never get the punchline. That's you the greatest part. You get the fucking... Uh, the jackass and the honeycomb coming, like, walking... Yeah, we don't get the punchline. It's great. And what was the other one? Uh, like a Lannister, a Lan- uh, Stark... Um, Tully and a, a Tarly walk into a bar, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just and you know it, it's great because you you see his progression. Remember, he was like such the whoremongering yeah. in the beginning, and then he like really matures up. So I liked him, and I gotta. Um, you're gonna hate me for this for uh-huh. my second honorable mention. Which actually, a guy that should have had an honorable mention, I didn't put in there. The guy that's not my top five, you're going to hate for this, but an honorable mention is Rob Stark. You little bitch. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not happy with you. Oh, not in the top five. But uh, I gave him an honorable mention because, um, you know, a lot of people forget, you know, Rob, man, like, he was the guy after season one. You thought he was going to get revenge for everybody, and he did make some very critical mistakes, but at the same time, don't forget, it was because of him that they captured Jamie. Like, he was very smart. Um, I really wish to this day he was the guy that got revenge. But unfortunately, it doesn't play out that way. You know, sometimes you uh, Thanos gets to snap his fingers and shit sucks. <laughs> but uh, that's just the way the kid crumbles. But I gave the other one to Rob Stark because I, I love Rob. All right. So yeah, your honorable mentions are T- Tyrion Lannister and Rob Stark. Mine are Jorah Mormont and Brianna Tarth. I agree with that. So now we're going to go a little bit further and we're going to really start tackling the actual top five here. Now I'm going to start this off since you want to be a dirty bitch and put Rob, <laughs> put, put Rob as an honorable mention, right? So no, my number five is Big Rob Stark. Dirty. <laughs> yeah, my number five in, in top five heroes is Rob Stark. Uh, well, we weren't that far not off. Far off. Not far off at all. I'm not going to give you a hard time too much about it, but the reason I put Rob in the top five is because he was in it for the right reasons, right? He went down initially to secure his father's freedom from the dungeons when they improperly imprisoned him. Uh, he was able to be the first one to really rally the whole North together. He was the first one in like ye- like hundreds of years that was named King in the North. Actually, since Aegon's Conquest, that was a King in the North. He was named the first King in the North mm-hmm. since Aegon's Conquest. Like that's pretty badass. Like you said, the Battle of Whispering Wood. He took Jaime prisoner. Yeah. Jaime Lannister, one of the best swordsmen ever, took him prisoner for over two years, like or over oh, over a year and a half. I'm sorry, my apologies. Over a year and a half. And on top of that, he didn't lose a single battle. And, you know, but it stinks because he made those little tiny mistakes along the way. And, you know, what, what the, the biggest quote from him that really, like, led us to realize he was a sympathetic character is that he, he told them, I've won every battle, but I'm losing this war. But at the end of the day, in terms of top five heroes, he was in it for the right reasons. He he rallied everyone. He was a great leader. Remember, everyone loved him when he was going through like all the battlements, like talking to like the front lines, like soldiers. Everyone yeah. loved him. And even Tywin Lannister said that his people worship him. 
So he was for sure, he, he was my number five hero, but he definitely cracked my top five. Give me your fifth. My fifth? So my fifth can be argued as a villain, but by the way he turned out, I put him as a hero. And I put Jamie Lannister. <laughs> fuck you, sir. Go fuck yourself. You guys can't, if you guys can't see on camera, I'm giving Chase a, a certain finger. Chalice. Oh, yeah. How he turned out. He went back to his bad ways. All, oh, no. Here's my issue, though. Like, no, because Brienne put his name in the book, died for his queen. No, he turned out to be a good guy. He beat Euron, and the way he progressed... Remember, I people forget this quote from season one. He said, I'm going to rip you, Eddard Stark, from balls to throat. No, to balls to brain to see what's <laughs> made Balls to brain, exactly. Because his, his uh, Eddard, like Ned Stark's like first swordsman was named Jory, and Jory tells Jamie, if you threaten my lord again, <laughs> and Jamie's like, threaten... As in, I'm going to cut your lord from balls to brain to see <laughs> what Starks are made brain. of. You know, and that's the... And but, people forget he was ridiculously outnumbered. Didn't give a flying fuckaroo. Uh, Jamie, Jamie is my boy, man. And even without a hand, he rose up. He's not I, a hero. He's a villain. Fuck no, you. he's a hero. He's a fucking hero. In Stab. My, you're going to argue with someone else that I put as a hero as well. <laughs> Dude, um, hate it. Nah. Jamie Lannister. <laughs> Jamie is my boy. From this day until my last day. Alright, I'm going to go with my number four hero. I'm going with Ned Stark as my number four spot. Ooh, why, good old boy. Why am I putting Ned Stark at number four? Because he ha- he was always in it for the right reasons as well. He confronted Cersei. He figured out her secret, why John Aaron was murdered. And not only did he just... He wasn't afraid to tell her, hey, like, I know what you've done. You know, uh, she obviously ended up losing his head for it. But he was not afraid to take on the powerhouse that was the Lannisters. You know, he was even willing to take responsibility for Catelyn taking Tyrion prisoner. Like, he didn't even he didn't even do that. But he's like, yeah, he was taken at my command. Like, he was... <laughs> and he was the one always fighting for the right things. Remember, Robert wanted to kill Daenerys. And Ned, Ned was the only one that sat there and told him, no, that's not the right thing to do. We do not kill children. Ned was the ultimate good guy, and he was fighting for what was right from the very beginning to the very bitter end for him. He even went ahead and said, sacrificed his own honorability, and basically told the entire kingdom he lied and tried to take the throne from Joffrey just so he could save his daughters. Ned was the ultimate good guy. There's other ones that are ahead of him, but there's no way that Ned Stark cannot crack your top five heroes. I, uh, well, it, it, there is a way because I didn't put him in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking right. Oh my but god! But I have to agree with you because I almost gave Ned the honorable mention. If it wasn't for Rob, I would have put him in there. Uh, Ned was that good old boy, and he always did everything for his family, kind of like John. But guess what? John's not in my top five either. So suck it. <laughs> Dude, we are gonna be real. We've got Suck it, bitch. we've got some big differences. We got some big differences to show. John can go fuck himself. Less than I thought. We got some. Big uh, guess what? You know what happens? Settle. You know what? Nice guys. You know what happens to nice guys? They finished last. Ned got his head cut off, and John got sent to the Night's Watch. So go fuck you. Dude, <laughs> fuck you, John. I can't believe this shit. We're gonna we're gonna get on this big time. But give me your number nice four. Nice guys finished last and. Bad boys, but get we're talking all about the, the top five beach. heroes, man. We're not talking about like, yeah. who lasts. So, well, I, number four, number four is a hero. He's kind of an edgy guy, edgy no, guy. And uh, uh, last time I checked, 
you know, horses are dumber than men. Oh my Dario Naharis, baby, going with the number four. Dario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know why? You wild motherfucker. Go back to season three. He throws the heads down for Danny. Uh, your um, my heart is yours. My sword is yours. My life is yours. Everything is yours. He sacrificed everything for his queen. He took those motherfuckers down. He was the champion of Marine. He took his fucking dick out, his Peter out, and he fucking pissed on front of that fucking guy in front of all the motherfuckers in Marine. Took that spear, shoved it through him, said horses are dumber than men. And said, go, fuck you, sir. And even that, Danny made him stay a Marine. And he was like, I don't want to stay a Marine. And she gave him no choice. And he still got his fuck on. He still got the sleigh in front of Jorah Mormont. That's in your honorable mention. And uh, yeah, Jorah had to say later than most because Dario was moving in the club, shaking his stuff. <laughs> That's right. My biggest issue with Dario Harris is I don't see him as a hero. Like I could see him almost kind of as a villain because he first supposed... Daenerys with the second sons he only wanted to be with Daenerys because he was in love with her and he, he said he's got two skills in this world and they're women and they're fighting you know the thing is is Daenerys you know, how she turns out like she's not a hero either so if she's not one how can you put him as one because but, he killed the sons of the harpies and the kings of the marine with her that's how because he's the tits McGee He's a good warrior. <laughs> I wouldn't put him as a top hero. But uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let me go okay, to my cool. number three. Let's do it. Let's do it. My number three is Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion okay. is okay. an amazing man. He's done nothing but try to do the best for the realm. If it wasn't for him, they, Tywin Lannister would never have held the throne at all because Stannis Baratheon would have taken over for the Battle of Blackwater Bay. Tyrion was the mastermind behind the wildfire incident in both the book and in the show, but in the book it was a little bit different, but still, all Tyrion's idea. He plays the game very, very well, where people underestimate him because of how he looks. Not only is he mentally uh, just really sharp, but he's also not afraid to be in the front lines of shit either. Because remember when he brought the mountain clans down and he was on the front lines against Rob Stark's 2,000 Northmen. He ended up getting knocked out by that hammer, but he was going to be put in the vanguard. He wasn't afraid to do it. And then he went and took them from the ass out from, like, they went out that door. <laughs> ass to mouth, in the words of Josh Nelson. So, Jay Nelly over here. <laughs> so, remember he did that, though. Like, he, like, Joffrey ran inside as a little coward bitch and he took control <laughs> of the fucking uh, Battle of Backwater Bay, came out the back end and fucking took him from the ass. So, like, Tyrion, he does it all. And not only that, he tries to fight for what's right. And he tried to persuade Daenerys all the way through to try to save the people of King's Landing. Everything he's wanted to do was so there's peace in the kingdom. Kind of like Lord Varys, but better because Varys is like kind of a sneaky spy. Tyrion had two prominent positions, Hand of the King and Hand of the Queen. And neither of those times did he abuse his authority. He did his best to make things right. Remember when he sent... Um, and that that guy who betrayed Jon Snow, uh, Jano Slint. He sent Jano Slint to the Night's Watch, even though like he was the one that betrayed Ned Stark. Like he does, he 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 made that really awesome like 
trick to see who was real to him and who was not real to him when he told Varys, Baelish, and Pycelle he was going to marry Marcella to three different people and figure out which one told. Like, he was so yeah. smart. He's a, absolutely a top hero. He was the only reason that season eight was watchable. His performances, his monologue when he was on trial was one of the best monologues I've ever seen in film history. I have like, to agree with you. Dude, like, I love Tyrion. Tyrion I, I catches I my number that. three spot in top heroes. I can agree with that. I mean that that's the problem with Game of Thrones. Like, there's so many people you can put up there. Like, Tyrion was great. Yeah. Like, there, there. If you, if you say otherwise, you didn't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> give me your, give me your top three. Your number three. Murdered her. Victor killed the children. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my mind. The because guy that I almost put number one, but there's two people I couldn't put above. But him. my question is, how is he a hero? <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. You know why the, he's the, a hero? The question was, who's the top heroes? You know why he's a hero? Because he's the why. only one that willingly stood up to the fucking mountain while everyone cowered down like a pussy ass. Bitch. I can I can take that one specific part of the argument. But at the end of the, the end of the day, Fucking he did nothing good. heroic except try to get revenge for something that was done wrong against him. Uh, nothing for the good hero. of other people. Hero. No, nothing good hero. for the other people. It was fully self-serving. No. As for his hero. house, is just to get revenge, and then he was in and out of the fucking uh, show in the same season. There's no, I don't know. Doesn't matter. 100%. Doesn't matter. Uh, went out facts to the, don't matter. Went out to facts the don't matter. <laughs> let's let's review just from what we even saw in the show. Uh-huh. Besides all the slaver spits, and he did it for fun. Uh-huh. Put on but why the, is that a hero thing? That's oh, a warrior oh, thing. Oh, doesn't That's a warrior matter. thing. Took on the mountain. I think you got fought the warriors and heroes mixed up, Hero, bro. because he fought for Tyrion Lannister. Fought sure, for what's I'll right. Sure, I'll give you that one spot moment. It's just a baby. It's not a deformed child. It's just a little baby. After he looked up and saw his little tiny cock. Yeah, I remember that shit. People well, don't think hero. I know my Oberyn. That's hero in his finest. He took on the mountain. No fucking fear. He was the viper. He took on the he mountain because the mountain is the one that killed his sister. It was for pure. It was for purely self-servicing purposes. Not to be a hero. Not to like save anyone from anything. He took it on for Tyrion because he wanted to fight the mountain regardless. It only matters if you're lying flat on your back. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Uh, last time I checked, he put the mountain down on his ass and could have ended his ass and said. Again, uh, not, and stood up against Tywin. I don't know anyone else. Who besides gave you Tyrion. the order? Who gave you the order? <laughs> Who gave you the order? Stood I, up against Tywin Lannister in front of the entire fucking King's Landing. For Tyrion Lannister, no one wanted to take a side. Even Jamie Lannister had a smile on his fucking face when he took a spear to the mountain's fucking stomach. The thing is, is, like, I think you're confusing top five heroes with top five warriors. Because if we were talking about five warriors, yeah, I'd probably put Oberyn in there. But we're talking it about heroes. It depends on what you call a hero. Yeah. Now, did I? If a hero is most glorifying, nice like, no, guy, I, I put would, Jon Snow up there. I would say someone who, who does everything like in the right way. Like he was all he, he like a good great mix of yeah. of strong capable does things for the right reasons and like has other people's interests instead of their own then let's review dario naharis got his fuck on got yes. what he liked it sounds right. like he did the right way cut their heads off ended it and liberated it martell took on the mountain defended Tyr- Tyrion lannister it sounds like he did it the right I'm, way i'm going to number two now because this is ridiculous <laughs> this is absurd fucking great <laughs> so my number two hero is Arya stark 
So obviously Arya Stark is a badass. She saved the entire world from the long night. <laughs> she took out the Night King. She's someone who's been trying to fight. Like she's a girl who was in a man's world back in those days, and she did her best to learn how to uh, be useful. Honestly, she learned from Sierra Pharrell. Try to be like, because honestly, all the women back there, especially like high-born women like Arya. Were meant to be ladies, and ladies were meant to be kind of like sold like horses to good other houses' men's. But Arya basically said from the beginning, "That's not me. I'm gonna set out this path for myself." And not only did she get revenge for the Red Wedding against the Walder, like against the phrase, she she was able to uh, go to Bravos, learn how to become a faceless woman. Come back, use that technique to get the revenge on the Red Wedding. On, and on top of that, she was, every single time she did stuff for the right reasons. She tried to get vengeance for Lady Crane. I know that the Waif is the one that attacked her and all that stuff. She ended up killing the Waif. Uh, she ended up, had a list of people she wanted to kill for, for right, like righteous reasons. She killed Marin Trant for just like killing Syria Pharrell. Like, Arya Stark. It was very hard for me not to put her number one. And the only reason I won't put her number one is because there was someone else who gave up a lot more than her, I believe, from the very beginning to the very end. But Arya has this amazing arc, starting from this girl who's trying to be a good fighter, trying to do who she, who, trying to be what, who she thinks she is in a world that's telling her who she needs to be. And, you know, all she did was just save the fucking world and kill the Night King. So, Arya Stark gets my number two spot on my top five heroes. I think this is the only one we agree on. There we go. <laughs> Arya Stark, baby. I'm uh, all in for my girl Arya, man. Um, she killed the Night King, and I, I think even bigger than that, which a lot of people downplay, is, you know, her defiance of the House of Black and White, where she didn't kill lady crane just like you said and went against the waif um and she turned blind and and what i love most about her is she was overlooked from the beginning besides john and she really turned into that bad bitch we wanted to see and i i would even argue as far as fighting for good and even taking a neutral side where she was even questioning her own sister not only is she one of the best warriors, but I would probably vote for fucking Arya Stark as president. Arya Stark 2020, baby. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Arya Stark 2020. Awesome. So I'm going to give you my number one hero right now. I'm pretty sure by this time you guys have all guessed it. Yeah, For me, it's Jon Snow, and it's not close. Jon Snow literally gave up everything. He's did everything for everybody else and got nothing in return. He was a bastard. Born from a, like, the, the, well, in his mind, because we find out who he really is later on. But if we think about it, if we take it for vase value, he had Rob, Theon, uh, Rickon, Bran, Arya, and Sansa, who kind of were, like, better thought of. And Theon wasn't even part of the Stark house, but he was a ward. But he was still kind of treated better than Jon Snow in that family, because Jon Snow was that bastard son that Catelyn even admitted hating, and she thought all the bad things happened to House Stark because of how she treated Jon Snow. This guy hate like this guy is so like awfully hated that he thinks the best thing for him is to go off to the Night's Watch, full of murderers and rapers and people in dungeons, to like defend the wall against whatever is out there. Like he doesn't even want to be a part of the family because he doesn't feel a part of the family. And if we take that from there, 
this guy goes out to the Night's Watch. His uncle Benjen is the one he kind of looks up to. Benjen goes missing. They go out beyond the wall. This guy is the first one to volunteer to go to Mance Raider's camp of 100,000 wildlings and try to scout and see what they can find out. Then all of a sudden, like he gets captured by the wildlings. He's a prisoner. He's able to convince the king beyond the wall that he is a wildling at heart and he wants to be free and all of these things. He's a double agent. Uh, he falls in love with a wildling. He's a great skilled swordsman. Comes back, ends up defending the wall against the wildlings he infiltrated. He ends up telling Mansrider, I was loyal to my Night's Watch and my Night's Watch vows. This guy, you know, he was so well loved. And then he goes to Hardhome and fights for the wildlings. Even though he's trying to get the wildlings to fight for him, he almost gives his life at Hardhome just to save as many people as he can. He gets taken back to the Night's Watch from there. And after he did the, the quote-unquote right thing, what happens? His Night Watch brothers kill him, stab him, literally murder him. And that's not the end. No, we get bring brought back to life. And what do we have to do? I don't know. Just take back the fucking north from Ramsey Bolton, and then from there, like you know, we gotta listen to Sansa. Realize, like, try to figure out, like, how do we can, you know, like make her feel like she's important. We gotta fight the Boltons. We take back the North, and you know that should be the end of it. But no, we are now. You are now named King of the North, and we gotta figure out a way to save us from the White Walkers. So what do we do? We go down to Dragonstone. We try to talk to the to the Dragon Queen and see if she'll fight with us. She says no unless you bend the knee. And he's like, well, I'm not gonna do that because you know the people in the North have been through so much shit. Like let's like I just need the Dragon Glass from you guys. So she's like, sure, take your Dragon Glass. And then, you know, he basically convinces them, like, listen, I promise you these people, these things are real. Let's go beyond the wall. I'll take one. We'll bring it to Cersei. Always putting himself in danger just to do the right thing. He goes out there to the point that you were talking about me earlier today. First one out there beyond the lake and last one out there beyond the lake. Like, he's literally, he literally went from start to finish. He gets brought back all the way through. What's he have to do after that? I don't know. Just help. Daenerys take over King's Landing and fight the Lannister army with the Golden Company and then from there Tyrion makes him realize that Daenerys is a tyrant and he just has to kill the woman he loves oh my gosh that's so easy dude Jon Snow is the best hero with the best story and got nothing in return there's no doubt anyone could ever say that Jon Snow is not the top hero of Game of Thrones oh. no I can't argue with anything you're saying I just did not put him in my top 5 so that's how I argue with it. <laughs> now, the person I have as my number oh my one. Gosh. People might argue with, but I don't give a flying fuckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're playing over here playing hee-haw with the fuck-around gang, so you can all go, fuck yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Not literally. Don't worry. Relax. <laughs> relax. You know how we all get so damn sensitive nowadays. <laughs> Uh, the number one is the unbent, unbroken, the unburnt, the mother of dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Stormborn, the Daenerys Targaryen. I, uh, my queen, bend the knee all day, going from the beginning. Remember, she was sold as a blood mare, raped and defiled by Cal Drogo, which she learned to love, which took over that whole Kalasar, hatched three dragons on her own, came all the way to the point, getting all the way to the Unsullied, 
got the Unsullied, went all the way to the Marine, liberated Marine, even though they called her a beggar fucking motherfucking queen. Yeah, she said, fuck you beggars, you're gonna take this shit. And then she went all the way over to season 8, fighting for John, which was a fucking war she didn't want to be in anyways. Because this bastard, literally a bastard, is over here trying to mine her dragon glass. That is her dragon glass. That she wasn't going to use. She was never going to use it. Don't give a fuckaroo. If someone comes over to my property and doesn't offer no aid, just wants to take my fucking DVDs, go fuck yourself, sir. Go fuck yourself. So you know what? Daenerys Targaryen is a saint. She will always have my knee bent. She is my queen from this day to the last day. She liberated Marine. She could have united all of Westeros if it was better. And if it wasn't for her and her dragons, the Night King would have fucked everyone up. So in the words of Masunday, if it wasn't for the Dragon Queen, we'd all be dead already. Daenerys Targaryen gets my number one spot. And then she destroys all of the innocent people in King's Landing so she can be queen. And then goes on the rampage, like Hitler-esque, and says, we're going to take over the world. We can't sure live behind small mercies. Dude, absolutely not. <laughs> Honestly, Daenerys, like, for me, like, she didn't make my top five villains or my honorable mentions, but she was damn close to my villains, bro. Fuck the heroes. But <laughs> Number one hero, Daenerys Targaryen. Trash. Targaryen and Stark over here. You keep your Stark ass on the other side. You even watch your damn <laughs> So, <laughs> bro, that was a challenge. Yeah, honestly, that was a good one. Let, <laughs> yeah, that was let's good. Uh, like cheers to that, bro. Danny, you are my queen from this day to the last day. <laughs> let's get into our, our villains, man. I'll, I'm going to give my first two honorable mentions. Okay. Okay, the one that's not quite close to the top five but still deserves a mention for me is Cersei Lannister. She didn't make my top five because I've got reasons why other ones are worse than her. Personally, herself, she didn't do a lot of bad things except execute Missande and also what she did to Alaria Martell. But the problem is, or Alaria Sand, I apologize. Uh, what she did to Alaria Sand was only vengeance of what Alaria did to Marcella. So there's not much that, like, yeah, you know, Cersei was a bitch and she did, she was not a kind person. But in terms of villains and, like, things they did that were terrible, didn't, didn't make my top five. Uh, my other honorable mention that was very, very close to making the top five, but I just couldn't put him in there because, again, of how worse the other ones were, is Roose Bolton. Roose Bolton literally plunged a heart into his own king's heart. Like, he he betrayed his own people. Remember what you were saying during the history is the Boltons fought alongside Robert's Rebellion yeah. to overthrow the king. Yeah. They were pledged to House Stark. He fought with Rob Stark all the way through, and then, like, because of money and what he was able to gain from Tywin Lannister and actually be able to take the fucking North, become the Warden of the North, uh, he turned against Rob. And so that was pretty fucking heinous. And that was why he's not quite at my top five, but he definitely deserves an honorable mention. Who are yep. your two honorable mentions? My two honorable mentions... <clears throat> One is Joffrey Baratheon. <laughs> you didn't put him in your top five. Wow. No, not Holy top fuck. five. And, uh, Holy fuck. You know, of course, uh, one, because he was the one that took Ned Stark's head off the table, which no one expected that. Unless you read I the book. I expected that. <laughs> Unless you read I the book. I expected that without reading yeah, the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 
Um, and don't forget, you know, all the conflicts he had with Tyrion. Kneel! <laughs> Kneel to me! <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I still remember one of the... <laughs> One of my favorite quotes, which is really fucked up, he was like, "Oh, good. I want to have Ned's uh, have Robert's head served to Sansa on my wedding oh, day." Oh yeah, Robert's <laughs> head. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he was just a sadistic. He wasn't even sadistic. He was just like an asshole. It was real, like he's a pretty dick. Sadistic. He was a he's sadistic, sadistic asshole. Um, my second, which I I don't even know if I would really call her a villain, but I put Melisandre. Melisandre on there? Melisandre. And, uh, in the very beginning of seasons, I could see it. People forget, remember? She caused, she, people to do some really, she, she caused people to do some really fucked up shit. She birthed the fucking demon, baby. Yep. Killed, she killed Renly, who had killed the, Renly. He had the army that would have been able to defeat everybody. Yeah, he everyone been the forgets king, about for sure. that in season two. For sure. And, I mean, she burned Shireen at the stake. Sir Davos hated her. I mean, she kind of becomes better. She and takes she Gendry's bad, blood, like, yeah. like like rapes him, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, Sacrifices the leeches. Yeah. Um. So I put her as my honorable mention because I, I, she's got a major role in this thing. Yeah, she kind of she kind of does a character arc turn though. That's why I don't have yeah. her anywhere near my top villains. So if we're gonna go to my fifth villain, the one that I put number five, uh, I gave it to my to the guy Walder Frey. Walder Frey is my fifth top villain because he, again, he was always considered Walder the Late because of the history that you were talking about, even Duncan the Tall hated him. He came in and tried to take credit for everything Randall Tarly did. <laughs> and then on asshole. top of that, like, he has so many daughters and grandsons and sons. And, you know, he was very calculative about letting the Northmen pass. Oh, you can pass the twins. Like, he didn't want to take a side. Again, he's very, very wishy-washy. He didn't want to take a side. And basically said, okay, like, listen, Rob, if you go ahead and marry one of my daughters, we'll give you a passage. Which is kind of fucked up, because like, if you're a pledged bannerman to House Tully, which is pledged to House Stark, like that should, you should never make demands on like what they can do. And then, obviously, Rob, Rob made the mistake of marrying somebody else behind her back. But at the end of the day, this guy legitimately invited guests into his home, had them all having a good time, and massacred them. Gave us the craziest moment of Game of Thrones and one of TV's craziest moments in history in the Red Wedding. They they went through and executed that moment, and that was cr- like no one really knew that was happening. They played the song um, "The Reigns of Castamere," like we we're like, what the fuck? And they they killed almost all the northern army. Not only just what you saw in the in the uh, room there, but also out in the in the yards. Remember when the hound had Arya? You were seeing what was happening to yeah. the northmen even out in the tents. So this man hosted, and then went on to but he he went against the the rule of if you offer someone salt and bread, they are underneath your protection and they cannot be harmed. And he legitimately like spat on that. And that's why he got what ended up coming to him. But that's why he rounds out my top five. He's my number five villain. You came to trim your cut hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you got for number five, my man? Number five, I got Euron Greyjoy. Yeah? Yeah, and I don't like the way he was portrayed. But as we dove deeper into the series, um, you know, not even just learning about the history on him, but just dissecting what a badass he was. I mean, think about it. You know, he's so fucking pompous. A gift for the queen. Uh, and he fucked the queen. And think about it. Forget People forget. 
he took on two of the sand snakes by himself mounted one on the was it on the mast on the mast, on the mast. both of them on the mast yeah and he then put hung the, spear the other Obara and then had the the whip hung around um nymeria and had it yeah. on the fucking mast yeah um on top of that kills a dragon goes three for three which makes more sense now and then uh, on top of that takes on jamie lannister who is probably one of the best in westeros even though he was missing a hand you know it had been some time and like didn't give a fuck like who he took on like people forget when remember they attacked the Greyjoy ship like he was still taking man after man he was one of those villains that really had no fear and uh that's why i had to ring him at five yeah honestly you know I'll, i won't get too far ahead of myself but i agree with a lot of things he said and i don't know if that's gonna tell you guys a little bit more about where i have him, <laughs> um my number four villain joffrey baratheon joffrey i don't think it, it for me it was surprising to have you leave him off your top five I think maybe it's because it, it, it's a recency rule where like you haven't seen him in a long time. You haven't seen him since season four because he died there. But if we remember all the sadistic shit that he did from season He's one through season four, <laughs> dude. On top, dude, let's take a look at it. The, the you know the first thing he did that was really fucked up is after he tried to teach the butcher's boy a lesson and and Nymeria <laughs> bit him and she threw the sword into the water. Yeah. Arya did. Like he treated Sansa like shit and he basically uh, caused. Robert to agree to execute one of the one of the dire wolves. That was already a big moment right there because you realize that he's a little snake. Then you go on through further and he take you know he takes it upon himself. They make a deal where Ned's going to live out his life at the Night's Watch with his brother and and he takes it upon himself to be like, "No, while well, I'm here, like weak hearts of women will never rule. We we will punish traitors to the fullest extent and fucking kills Ned Stark, the ultimate good guy. He orders Ill and Payne to take Ned Stark's head off. Then from there, he fucking brings Sansa out to the battlements and makes her look at her dad's severed head on a spike. Yeah, it's what pretty a motherfucker, okay. dude. Yeah, it's pretty like, fucked up. And then from there, like he said, you know, maybe like then they'll bring me your brother's head, and just like you said. When they finally did kill Rob Stark, like she, he said, I want his head sent to me so I can serve it to Sansa in a pie. Like, dude, that's that's, that's so gross, fucked up. up shit. And then to the point with the whores, like Tyrion thought, like you know, maybe he just needs some women. Like you know, Tyrion and Brom are talking about it. Like he just <laughs> needs to get the poison now. You know, like talking about like him never engaging in sexual activities before and. What's he do? He makes that one girl beat the other girl with a, like a <laughs> fucking wit stud, bastard. and then he ends up shooting the main. The whore with the crossbows a bunch of times until she's dead. The Roz, and then you know he treats Tyrion like a piece of shit. Uh, you know he he was just the most sadistic bastard, and he actually was a bastard born of incest. But he absolutely is one of the worst villains, like top five villains for sure. He hit my number four spot. But uh, which since we're on that, I do want to say we were talking about it this week. So George based him off a real person. Yeah. Um, when War of the Roses happened like hundreds of years ago, um, there was a guy, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he, um, yeah, the guy actually was born of incest and he wasn't related to the crown. He never actually took the crown, but, um, when he got there, he was like known for cutting off heads. 
he was sadistic as fuck and um it, it, the guy uh that george based him off of in war of the roses which actually one of the houses in war of the roses in history was the lannisters which is like the weirdest shit yeah um and uh, the guy looks very similar to Jack Gleason. So I, I sent it to you this week. Yeah, so you I thought that was pretty wild just since we were talking about Joffrey. But I got to say, I, um, I, I agree. I mean, he came very close to my top five. Yeah, he was my number four, man. Yeah. Um, did you, what's your number four? Or did you already give your number four? Uh, my number four is... Oh, daddy pulling the strings, Tywin Lannister. Tywin Lannister. It's number four. Tywin Lannister, number four. And uh, because people forget, remember, speaking of Joffrey, if you think he's the one pulling all the strings, well, you're sadly mistaken. Tywin was the one pulling all the strings from the beginning. Remember, he had his horse shit on the front of the Iron Throne floor. Um, Tywin, you know, he, he... didn't really ever give a fuck about Tyrion, but the entire time he was pulling the strings. And if you think about it, that's more dangerous than anything out there. I don't there. think he really pulled strings until about season three. Because remember, he was trying to fight the battles and the wars. Mm-hmm. He was at Harrenhal in season two when Arya was his cupbearer. So Joffrey right. was making all the decisions from season one to season two, almost to the beginning of season three. Well, and then he stepped in, and then and Joffrey then died a season later. Remember, Joffrey, <laughs> the Tywin died, a season was even later. telling Tywin, "Hey, why am I not invited to these meetings?" And right. Tywin's no, don't like, don't be wrong. Tywin's on my list too. I'm just saying, like, let's not pretend that Tywin's playing. You said he was pulling the strings from the beginning. I don't yeah. think that's quite true. And I mean, it, he, he was such a vile motherfucker. Remember. Um, Tyrion killed Shay, and he was like, "Well, she was a whore." Well, she was a whore. <laughs> a, guy, a girl he was even sleeping with at the time. Um, so I had to put, like, as much as I despise his ass, I had to put him at number four. Okay. Uh, we'll go on to my number three right now, and this is a little bit to the point you were saying. I just have him a little bit ranked higher because of how important he came on later on. I have Euron Greyjoy ranked number three on my top five villains. Okay. Reason why, a lot of what you said. This is this is the man who took out a dragon by himself. This is the man who fought two sand snakes that Jamie Lannister and Braun, a sellsword of the highest caliber, could not defeat, and he killed them both. Yeah. On their home turf. Like like they were on their own ship. Like he went on there and destroyed them on their way back from Dorne. Took Masande captive. Not Masande, I'm sorry. Well, he did take Masande captive, but later on. But uh, uh, he took Yara captive, who was supposed to be his biggest threat. Dude, this guy killed his own brother, who was the king of the Iron Islands, pushed him off the rope bridge, and and then they were going to do a king's moot and have Yara crowned, and he's like, you're going to have a woman queen? Absolutely not. This is me. I'm here. I even admitted to him. He's like, I killed Balon Greyjoy. He told them all. And they all they still all rallied around him and said, like, yeah, you know what? This is probably the guy to go with. Yeah. Like, dude, they he killed his own brother and admitted it. And then after he gets crowned as the king of the Iron Islands, he said, Where are my niece and nephew? 
let's go murder them oh, so like are you kidding up. me and so then on top of up, that man. i know this isn't really shown so in in the show but euron greyjoy was one of the only people to have a dragon egg like he tried yeah. to get that hatched yeah. to the, like dude he's just an all-around he like you said he fought jamie lannister he fucked the queen he brought the he brought, <laughs> he brought the golden company to the shores yeah dude this guy was definitely for me a top five villain for me he ranked number third because of how badass he was and all the great key moments he participated in you're on Greyjoy ranks number three for me and I gotta say too uh you know definitely go back and rewatch the show because he will grow on you like could have been, been a better time, actor but yes yeah like I mean you really start to especially breaking it down how Josh and I did like you really see how wow, like this motherfucker was a badass. In the books, he's, he's even a more way badass. better, way better in the books. Yeah, yeah. when we say like a badass for sure. But yeah, yeah, my man, who's your number three, dog? Number three, I have the Night King, okay. <laughs> and uh, I know he probably didn't make a lot of people's top five, but here's why: didn't make mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you hear so much about him from the beginning as far as the visions with Bran. So you want to know more about him. Um, I mean, he can walk through fire. He brings an entire army of the dead. He raises Viserion and flies on Viserion. He traps, smart traps, Daenerys with bringing Viserion there just to hit him with ice pick, making Jon look like a fucking dumbass so he can get an achievement killing more men. I mean, he's... Say what you want, but he is very smart. Even in the Long Night perspective, it wasn't done the way we wanted. He won that fucking battle. If it wasn't for Arya, they would have all been fucked. Um, I, I I don't like the child thing. Like I mean, they say it's because they procreate. But at the same time, there was a lot of mystery with him. And I ranked him that high because what he could have been, what could have been fucking badass amazing but um just the mystery kind of i mean you don't generally get villains that aren't even of human that aren't of human nature generally so i i had to rank him in my top three the reason i don't rank the night king anywhere is because he didn't really do anything then the long <laughs> night the, the long night was really the only thing that this guy did he went to hard home and stood there and watched he was at the beyond the lake stood there and watched yes he killed Viserion with the ice pick but it's not like he lured Daenerys there Daenerys went because she couldn't bother to do anything like she she's like I'm not gonna do anything I'm not gonna do nothing anymore I need to do something he didn't even know Daenerys was going to show up. It don't act like it was a fucking plan the whole time. He thought he was going to be able to, you know, keep his... His thing was keeping the army of the dead a secret. And if he was able to kill the Hound, Jon, Tormund, Thoros, Beric, if he was able to kill all of them, like, they still wouldn't know that the Night King existed. He would be able to take them by surprise. But at the end of the day, this guy did nothing. He did nothing except terrorize for the Long Night and he had one good episode. This guy was a build-up from episode one and did nothing until episode three <laughs> of season eight and only had one episode where he was at all even relevant outside of that i can't put him dude that's why i can't put him in there like he could have been if they did that show right possibly would have been but based on what we saw and what we know from the books in the show he doesn't even make my top five or even an honorable mention um that's fucked up that's nah. fucked up <laughs> but for me Number two of my top five villains is Tywin Lannister. He's number two for me. 
because he calls the shots and he even even Essos knew that he was the true power in Westeros. Remember when Stannis and Ser Davos went over to get that loan from the Iron Bank and they asked, who do you think the real power in Westeros is? And they yeah. like, Tywin Lannister. He's like a man in his 60s. Stannis is in his prime. So they all know Tywin Lannister is the true power over there. He was making plans. He's so ruthless too. Remember how he basically made look someone look so stupid when he was in Harrenhal and talked down to them like, well, you want to go home to your wife? Well, go ahead. Go home. Like, like just regardless he he ended up setting up the red wedding he said you know a pen works just as mighty as a sword because he was writing letters to really set up the red wedding to happen he kept the seven kingdoms in check almost exclusively by himself he almost killed his own son just so his older son would uh, renounce the title of being in the king's guard so he would be able to have a child and produce heirs so house lannister would continue Literally, Cersei looked up to him and tried to figure out how he, how she could rule based on how he did. Everyone respected Tywin. What happened when Tywin died? The high, the high sparrow took over and made Cersei look stupid as fuck. Like literally, Tywin had everything under control. He made Olena, that awesome woman, look really silly. And how she was, he was gonna basically say. Out, uh, he was going to sign Sir Loras Tyrell to the Kingsguard so he couldn't have any heirs and she couldn't be... Like, the House Tyrell would basically come to an end. And she broke the quill and she's like, you know, there's very few people that really live up to the name, mm-hmm. you know, as bad as you are. Like, you are one of them. Like yeah. He literally is <clears throat> the second best villain in there because he's smart, he's ruthless, and he was able to hold the seven kingdoms together by himself. He won the War of the Five Kings and he he held it all together and, and would have still, in my opinion, if Tyrion didn't do what he ended up doing. So for me, Tommen Lannister comes in second place for top five villains. Nice. What do you got for number two? For my second, I got a pretty known one <laughs> that uh, I know she didn't make the top for you, but Cersei Lannister. And, I mean, you you brought up a good point when I was talking to you today. Like, she didn't kill a lot of people, but just from, like, what she did to Alaria Sand and Tien was fucked up. Like making them watch each other as Tien died. Uh, she did. That's more revenge, though. It's not that she did that because like she, she was still a bitch. cut Masunde's head off. That was the one thing. That was she the one did thing. that. Uh, she still inspired Euron Greyjoy. She would. She said in season seven, "Kill the silver-haired bitch first. Uh, I mean. Here's the thing, too, is there's even been a theory whether or not she poisoned Robert Baratheon. Well, she definitely ordered the poisoning of him. Yeah. She, like, so Lancel, like, she told Lancel to, that wasn't a poison, it was get him too drunk to where the boar takes care mm-hmm. of the rest. She did that. So, I mean, she's pretty fucked up. Sure. And, I mean, we, we travel with her for so long, just seeing, like, the fucked up shit. Like, she... Never th- had favor of Sansa. I think that's where you kind of go in. It's like the that's one of the last, like she was there from the beginning to the end. So in your mind, because she was there from the beginning to end, she was one of the worst. Yeah. But realistically, like there was not many things that she did where it was so awfully terrible and you didn't expect it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and she blew up the high. Well, yeah, she the- blew up the whole fucking high scepter with. Uh, with, again, um, what's her name in there? But again, like, that was because they were going to put her on trial, and she didn't want to be, like, 
considered like you know her secrets to come out where she fucked jamie and had the children by him yeah but as you far know, as like, intellectual she she's smart as fuck 100 yeah. percent. i just don't i just she doesn't crack my top five quite but i i, I i'll see what you say i just yeah but I, that's why i put her in top five you put her number two though number two number yeah. two is a high number spot two. yeah that's well, a high high spot she killed my girl on sunday <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right let me talk about my number one motherfucker which, oh, big dirty! Which I don't know if many people would debate this. I think everyone—it's almost a consensus of who is the worst villain in Game of Thrones. <laughs> For me, it's Ramsay Bolton. Ramsay, and it's not close. Ramsay Bolton came into the picture when Roos Bolton said he would send his bastard son to capture and torture Theon when. Bruce was still underneath Rob Stark and was serving him. Ramsay pretended to be a serving guy, not even the person who captured Theon, helped Theon escape. A psychological warfare master helped Theon escape. Like he was, and even Theon's like, we'll make you a lord of the Iron Islands for this. Ramsay let him escape, go on horseback. And then Ramsay alerts everyone else that Theon escaped. They all track Theon down, and they're about to kill him and rape. Actually, they're about to rape him, realistically. The guy pulled his pants down, and he was about to stick his dick out and put it in Theon's butt. And that, <laughs> do you remember, do you remember so that? Fucked up. Yeah. yeah, I do. And then what happens? Yeah. Ramsay actually kills all those people. So, And this is mm-hmm. before you know who he is. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, this is, this is like Theon saving the grace. The good guy, yeah. This is a good guy. And then he tells him where to go and how to get back in there. And Theon ends up right back in... In the fucking place where he was trapped originally, finally realized that Ramsey just played a huge psychological game and killed his own people just to prove he was the one in charge. And yeah. he, he stripped the on piece by piece, would take fingernails, take fingertips, screwed the damn thing into his foot took his dick off legit <laughs> legit like yeah, he got, had his own girlfriends get him aroused then removed his penis and balls and sent them to theon's dad you got bigger and balls so, than he ever had right and, and, <laughs> yeah. and he's so sadistic that he looks forward to confrontation like you just said like yara goes to save him and like you know dogs wake him up this guy's in the middle of having <laughs> sex in the middle of his night he wakes up and pulls out two daggers like this is turning into a lovely evening, lovely evening. like are you fucking kidding me holds then, up the sausage then on yeah. top of that like Sansa, like America, like I should say, Westeros's sweetheart brings her. She gets married to him. He rapes the fuck out of her. Like just treats her like shit. Beats her, bruises, makes Theon watch as it happens. Fuck uh, up, dude. Like then, then he watch ends up her become a woman. He ends up beating Stannis Baratheon's soldiers on the field, and then Sansa escapes, and then Jon Snow comes back to life, and he's got to take tries to take Winterfell back, and. Ramsey basically psychologically sends a fucking note to him talking about how he's a bastard, even though Ramsey is legitimized. Let's not even talk. I, just, I forgot to even mention Ramsey killed his own father, stuck a knife yeah. in his own father's heart. Like, As the like, girl was. Uh, yeah. And then it killed uh, the girl that plays Tonks that was fucking yeah, him. Killed, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He killed Osha and then also even killed his own baby brother and the baby brother's mother with his hounds. Like, this guy just didn't give a fuck. This yeah. guy, like, and then he almost had it to where he beat Jon Snow in the Battle of Bastards before Sansa came in with the, the army of the Vale to, to finish it off. 
but legitimately and then even before the battle he was just talking down to him he's like kneel he's like get off your horse and kneel you like, treasonous bastards like, <laughs> he goes the way the people in the north talk about you you're the greatest swordsman that ever walked maybe you are that good maybe not <laughs> maybe not i don't know if i would beat you but i know my army would beat your army <laughs> like he's just a fucking weirdo man and so like there's just no doubt in my mind i just don't see how anyone could not rank ramsey bolton the number one villain of game of thrones yeah you want me to tell you mine go for it ramsey bolton ramsey <laughs> Dude, so we always agree on number one. Uh, well, well, no, we always do. R two was R. My R two was Arya. We agree on you. You said Daenerys was number one for your heroes. I yeah. said, John, but we did number two. We both agree on Arya for number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, okay, in, yeah. in our tops, we always agree somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. Somewhere. And, uh, so we did agree with Ramsay. Okay, give me a reason Dude. why Ramsay's number well, one. Well, first of all, he sends a fucking letter to John, and he's never met him before. <laughs> Sadistic motherfucker. Second of all, fucking Theon has his own girlfriend that's basically Harley Quinn. Go fuck him with another girl. Then cuts his dick off. And then says to his own sister, you have bigger balls than he's ever had. Dude, <laughs> we forgot to mention, too, he pretends to eat Theon's dick with a fucking Yeah, sausage. with a sausage. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. my God. That was weird, dude. Um, yeah, and then, you know, just like you said, he pretended to be the good guy how intellectual he is mm. remember theon had this problem till after ramsey was gone in season seven yeah see theon jumped off the great joy ship because ramsey had fucked him up so bad yeah. get in your kennel reek you smell like shit <laughs> yeah oh reek you really embarrassed yourself Take tonight. Take off your clothes. <laughs> Remove your clothes. Yeah, yeah, did Remove he, your clothes. I, I, I do not like asking twice. <laughs> he even got. He even convinced his own maester. Like, how did how did Lord Bolton die? <laughs> he was poisoned by his enemies. <laughs> like, dude, he has a sick fight. He was the Joker of Game of Thrones. 100%. I said, he was yeah, the Joker said that a long time ago. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with you. He is my number one. I don't want to say I support him, but damn, I fucking love Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. But I am going to summon my malice in the chalice card. Oh, shit. With the gods of the underworld, malice in the chalice. Before we close up, fucking dilly dilly. What's your malice in the chalice about? Just a few things I want to talk about. Um, so I did post on our website that Arya uh, Macy Williams when she went in that like GameStop. By the way, yeah, you talked really about cool. that last week. Yeah. Um, so if you think Michigan banned, which was really fucking cool, they like did this whole Game of Thrones like halftime show, and they formed Drogon. I put it on the website. You you can see it. That's pretty cool. I just fast forward to the Drogon part. But the other thing I just wanted to say was there was a pretty cool like few cameos in the show yeah which was really cool um so which we play take so many fucking notes here no telling if i'll find it or not um basically so there was a you were talking something i remember you were telling me i don't know if this is what you're talking about for right now but you were saying something along the lines of like cold play yeah uh, wasn't was in the red wedding was it yeah so cold play was in the red wedding let me see if i can find it real quick just because um it was actually a pretty cool thing. It's it's actually right in here. 
It says cameos on my notes. Um, so let's see. Just because I wanted to use a malice in the chalice, because I thought it was really fucking awesome. Um, okay. So with just a, a few fun facts. Like, I had a, a couple of different pranks from the cast. Like, Sansa said, Oh, yeah, Arya's getting some of that pussy slay. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Okay, so, um... We have... Don't you hate it when you use the malice and the chalice card? And your notes aren't there? Okay, nope. so here we go. <laughs> I got it, I got it. So, a few cool, like, cameos in here mm -hmm. that you wouldn't really notice unless uh, you did the research like we do. Um, so starting in kind of, let's go ahead and start in the first, let's see. I don't want to say if it was like season six. So the Boltons that we were talking about Ramsey. So Snow Patrol actually played a group of Boltons. Oh shit. When Ramsey killed his father. No oh, shit. That's awesome. Which is wild. Um. Uh, when uh actually you know of course you see ed sheeran's cameo mm -hmm. in season six episode five the door monsters and men was actually remember the uh play that aria went to go yes. see yeah so they were the ones playing oh, uh, the music for like joffrey's like yeah, stuff right 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 yeah which is really cool Coldplay was in the red wedding and they were dressed up as phrase yeah. so that was really cool in hard home mastodon uh dressed up as whites which was like a group of bands and in season eight uh the one i really wanted to bring up which i don't fucking understand which was right next to the starbucks cup in tormund when he was drinking Benningoff and wise themselves dressed up as northmen and were like celebrating drunk with john but so in, um, how do you miss a Starbucks cup and you're in the fucking scene? And you're in the fucking scene. So I just thought how funny was that? Um, yeah. Real quick, just like pranks that they did on the show. That was cool. They actually told, um, what's his name? The guy that played uh, Brendan's uh, brand snark. They said it was going to be a different ending at first and that he's going to be killed. Uh, Isaac Hempstead. That's his name. So they told him he was going to be killed, and actually Theon um, was going to wind up turning and killing him. <laughs> so you could kind of like believe that based on like the shit from before. Um, I already told you about Macy Williams that went to the game store. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, uh, Sansa Stark. Sophie Turner, like when Macy Williams had that big sex scene. She, like, posted on Instagram, was like, yeah, getting some of that slay action, which was, like, a big controversial thing Jeez. at first. So that's my malice in the chalice. I love it. Because I really wanted to mention Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Summon the out. god of the underworld, the malice in the chalice. Throw that shit to the shadow Off realm. to the shadows, baby. Guys, this, is, this has been a fucking real fun one. I know that uh, it was a little bit lengthy, but... I think you guys got a lot of good stuff. I mean, really, you got the the remainder of the history. You got uh, the extinct and endangered houses. You got our top five villains, our top five heroes. And then you got some of the funny extra stuff, you know, Chase just threw in with his mouse and his <laughs> card. But, uh, you know, before we close this out, because, I mean, we do this every single time, but it it's really is necessary, guys. We want to continuously thank all of our viewers for the continued support and for 
where we are every single week and how we continue to grow. Uh, we are we just we we are on every single possible outlet that there is where you can find us. Every single platform, socially, uh, you know, business-wise, whatever it is, we're there. So we would love to have that interaction with you continuously through social media, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We've got that TikTok still that we're, we're, we'll figure it out eventually, TikTok right? TikTok on the clock. DJ, blow my speakers up tonight. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll figure out how to, to, to do something on there to make it fun. Um, but we just want to let you know that we're, we're on every single platform. So whatever it is that you use, reach out to us on it. We're going to be there. We're going to answer. And we're going to really take this the next step further because... Like I mentioned earlier in this episode, we've got two more to go before we close out Game of Thrones. We're going to tackle Chase's big rewrite where it takes on as if Game of Thrones went for 10 seasons and 10 episodes per season. And then the week after that, we're going to tackle mine, which is going to still be six episodes of eight seasons. But it's going to be as if the final war came first and the long night came last. And so... We're going to leave you guys with that today, uh, but we want to thank you so much for the time that you've taken out, and uh, we, we hope that uh, you enjoy what we gave you today, but until next time, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off.